evening, ladies, gentlemen, and Emmys, and welcome to a very special War I Death Show free-to-air stream. It's untitled, like a number of the uh, given episodes that we've covered in the past, and indeed the movie, if I recall correctly. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're here to talk about today. We did promise when we covered Given on this very podcast, I think in 2019. I believed it was earlier than that, but Doc has told me it definitely was 2019. But yeah. like I was saying to him off cast at the moment, I'm currently working using a calendar that is only 12 sheets, purely blank white, and all they say is month. There is like <laughs> time, my sense of time perception is gone. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm drunk, sober, asleep, awake, whatever, you know, it's it's just out the window. But yeah, 2019, we covered Given. Um, and I think I can speak for us both by saying that we both really enjoyed the show. Um we promised at the time that, you know, we would come back um, again to cover the movie when it came out. I don't think the movie was announced at the time the show had concluded from my memory, but it was fairly yeah. shortly afterwards. It feels like it's been on the way for a very long time. But again, my sense of time is crap. So we agreed we would come back and cover it when the, the opportunity presents itself. And that's why we're here. But before we go any further, I would, of course, be remiss not to mention that joining me tonight is, as always, uh, my close friend, uh, comrade in arms, uh, you know, Close to my heart from across the pond, it is the Soul Doctor. Hello, hello, friends. I hope everybody is doing excellent. You know, as as safe and well as possible. Very excited to be doing the show. Not podcasting on a Friday for once, for the first time in a while. Crazy, um, crazy. Um, and I'm very happy because look, this. Uh, I, I just came off a, a meeting that I hated uh, with all my heart. Yeah. So. Uh, very, very happy to do in something that will like bring up the mood and the energy yeah. and will restore my soul like the given usually does. And uh, man, like what happens to Rakihiko in the movie? I, it, I know. Well, he that's quite a redemption arc. Uh, but like it feels like it was about 2000 years ago that we covered the given TV show. Yeah. And uh, that was. Uh, a really, really fun thing to do. Um, surprisingly well received. And uh, yeah, I, I. I by the way, who, who like, are uh, you? You haven't introduced yourself, my man. Oh, people know who I. I'm, I'm some. I'm some. This random. is uh, Shadon, the guiltiest gear, the chromiest. Oh stone. God, no. Anime. I, I'm actually wearing a hat. I'm wearing a hat today, not because I haven't shaved, by the way, but because I actually banged my head on. Um, cupboard door in my kitchen and cut it uh so uh, oh, no. it's currently hiding it's currently hiding a head wound it's not a major one it's fine i'm not gonna suddenly like you know fall over dead in the middle of this uh stream famous last words quite literally as they say uh but anyway <clears throat> so, no in all seriousness though like i want to just quickly address uh something about the reception we had to our given uh podcast from 2019 because even now we're still getting people commenting on them or at very least we actually, I think recently, when we did our first Wondrag podcast, had someone pop in and say, uh, when are you guys doing the Given movie? And, I mean, for a for a very small, like, you know, niche anime podcast like our own, um, that really caught me by surprise that, you know, people, are, not because I'm, not as, as a sense of disappointment, but more like, I was like oh, that's, that's cool. People, mm -hmm. people are still coming to our discussions. Uh, I know, um, I think one of our patrons has actually said the reason they came to us was because, um, me and Doc, as two cishet guys, uh, we treated it like it was anything else. And that's not me trying to big uh, us up by, by saying that. In fact, I actually find that a bit depressing to think about because if you think about it, like that, what kind, what does that say about anime discussion around, you know, elsewhere? 
um, that you know that people don't feel like that this material will be treated like you know like it's the same as everything else. Yeah. Which is you know we go in we critically analyze it we do comment where it goes wrong we celebrate where it goes right but we don't you know treat it badly simply because it is queer material or conversely give it a free pass because it is that you know and and the fact that. I, I I really appreciate that comment. Don't get me wrong, but it just surprised me. Like at the time, I was like, "Oh, like do people not do that on the reg?" That seems a bit strange to me. Yeah. But the point being, um, I just want to say to everyone who's fun, like fondly re- uh, responded to our commentary on the actual show itself, um, to thank you uh, for that. I really, really appreciate. It, it was very humbling to have people give us um that kind of credit that we did a good job of it um, and that they felt comfortable with us given, I mean, again, like, because this is um, specifically a boy love show, it is about LGQ plus material and we're two cisgender guys. Like that obviously means we have a limited perspective going into this because that's inevitable. We are outsiders. <laughs> but, uh, yes. But uh, I'm glad nonetheless that people uh, like, you know, appreciate what we brought to the discussion of the show. So, Thank you very much for that. I really, really appreciate it. Um, And we're, of course, now going to talk about the film today. Um, We're going to be treating this, by the way, in our usual second stream format. This is a free stream, so you might not even know what second stream is if you're listening to this on the cheap, so to speak. Uh, But there's not going to be any real plot summary, uh, because we used to do that per episode. I think that's what we did for Given, actually. We did. Um, And we'll probably be here for a very long... Yeah, we're probably here for a very long time going through that. We want to get instead to talking points and also answering Patreon questions, of which we do have a few. Um, We will provide context for plot points um, where appropriate. I would, however, just like to point out two things first uh, before we get into any discussion, which is to talk about, firstly, the canon. Uh, I know it sounds strange because that seems to be something you use for comic books rather than, a, you know, um, <clears throat> rather than actually something like this. But this, for all intents and purposes, and I don't mean to say this as something that is derogatory, I just more of a statement of facts. This, to me, is not so much necessarily a movie in structure so much as it is a two-part episode continuation, pretty much where the series left off. Um, I feel like you could go straight from the end of episode twelve of Given or ten of Given, whichever one last was. It was it was called It's Mutual. I remember that much. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And uh, go straight to this one, and you probably wouldn't even notice. Um. Like it, there's not like it's not like I can say when you have other anime movies where there's a very distinct continuity, like the Sailor Moon movies, for example. Uh, those are the things that pop in my head most recently. Um. Or even say Cowboy Bebop's uh like you know um Halloween film, which. I think has a certain point in the in the series, but otherwise you can watch it independently. Mm-hmm. But no, this is very much dependent on your knowledge um, of the show. It wraps up pretty much after, you know, the final episode. Um, and it also, uh, I'm very pleased to say, <laughs> uh, directly covers topics uh, and character arcs that I wanted to see continued in the movie, but we'll cover that in more detail later. So yeah, if you are wanting to watch this film, definitely watch the whole show first. It's not a standalone. Your experience will be much richer for knowing what happened in the actual show proper. Yeah. However, uh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, um, yeah, totally agree there. And like, I I think that the final episode that we did with Anthony Gramulia from... Yes. Um, Shout out to by the way, for their con- for their contribution to that. That was totally. really, really appreciated. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, by the way, my oh, if I talk too loud, my mic levels are going up in the red. Uh, sorry about that. I am. Um, 
They're just too, your, your, your too words are too intense for your microphone, I, Doc. I, well, I had noticed in earlier streams that I was a little bit quieter than you, and so I added like 0.5 dB, but that was apparently too much. So I'll have to go in and, and screw around with this and... It's just, it's, just cause you're talk, it's just because your talking points and such are, are absolute fire. That's why it's red. You know? That's that's absolutely the case. No, the point I was going to make was, um, yeah, that this, uh, in terms of like like you were saying where it fit in, it totally reminds me of, and this did not in fact happen with Given, but it reminds me of like a, an anime TV show that will like get canceled before they had mm. done everything they wanted to do with the story and they just did like a straight to video OAV to wrap it up like it totally feels like that because it's not the end of evangivion no (laughs) sorry amazing um and yeah like it it feels like um man and i don't remember i mean i guess we talked about it's been so long since we talked about the tv show but i guess we were sort of like wanting some of the things in this movie that this movie gave us that we didn't get in the TV show. But yeah, it really does feel like, you know, this was a necessary part of the story. Like I now see this as like, well, you watch given, you have to watch this movie. Like, or otherwise you won't get the full kind of arc of these characters is really important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. I was raised a point though, because I didn't get the time to actually rewatch this show uh, before watching the movie. So, I had to go off what I could remember. Uh, I was also very disappointed to find out that when I'm on once on Crunchyroll, uh, it's been uh, dubbed in Russian, but it's not available in my region. And I really want to just watch an episode of that in Russian now to see what the dub is like. Um, <laughs> I I can't even begin to imagine. Wow. But anyway, um, so I said before though that this is a movie, but structurally structurally being the key word here, it feels to me like a two part continuation of the show. However, um, and this is the point where I have to give some content warnings uh, with what we're going to discuss, because it is in turn a content warning for the actual uh, movie itself. Because with it being a movie, uh, it is actually free, to, at least as I understand it, it was free to cover uh, at least one particular, like there is a scene. There is the scene. If you've seen the movie, it is the scene. Uh, and that scene involves... Um, well, sexual assault and violation of consent, which were not things that ever happened in the show itself. No. Um, and I get the feeling that even if they did happen in the show, uh, because there was something involved in the narrative that demanded that be there, uh, they probably wouldn't be depicted in the way they are here. Um, there's also a scene quite close to the beginning, which is not uh, either of those things, but it is certainly a touch more explicit, if you want to call it that. I don't like the scene is basically when Akiko is licking Ugetsu's fingers. Um, that's something I don't think you would really... See. I mean, there were like... I think there was like an afterglow moment in the original show with Matthew, I think it might have been. Mm. But I think I think in so far as being erotic, shall we say, if that's the right phrase for it, this is a, this is a step up. Uh, but yeah, the key point here that I'm going to get across is we will be talking about that scene in great detail. Um... And therefore, um, just a content warning for discussion of sexual assault and violation of consent. And that in turn applies also to the movie because that is textually what happens in it. And so uh, just for those at home who might be wondering. And discussion of saliva, like thickness, direction, 
was, was that thick was that thickness spelt with two c's well just just to ask i mean i don't know if you would describe saliva in that way so oh right no i, yeah. I thought you'd moved on to i thought no. i thought you weren't still describing so i thought you just meant thick i don't think in... any of these boys are are thick i'm just I'm, i mean unless i i guess like so i'm <laughs> you had it here first folks <laughs> <laughs> so i'm more familiar with uh the way that uh our community shadon the cishets use the word thick to talk about uh the ladies but perhaps you know perhaps it's used uh differently to talk about different parts of the male anatomy you know that broad shoulders it's probably just used to talk about thighs though let's be real is it is it is it used in this context as a um rhyming couplet um a writing couplet Uh, rhyming oh um yes well what what, what rhymes with thick um brick Nice, yeah. Uh, keep click. Going, keep going. Quick. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, hopefully hopefully not. Uh <laughs> keep going. <laughs> um slick. That's just uh, so I continue. No, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not gonna no, I'm no. purposely not you, naming the word. Uh, people at home, uh what do you think <laughs> it rhymes with? <laughs> I wait for someone to put a di double c in there. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, but God. but no, it's good. Anyway. It's good that you mentioned that. Um, because, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe we should just wait till till we. I, I, if there's like a patron question about it, or we get to the talking there points, there's. I think that there's a lot to kind of unpack uh, and talk about. Um, yes. In in a analytical sense, uh, but also in a horny sense. Uh, so maybe yes, maybe both sides yes. of the discussion. <laughs> so all right, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, there is indeed a patron question about okay. that, and actually now is probably good. I mean, we're all we've got some amazing amazing like segues going. Here. Everything's flowing really well uh, for once. Uh, so this leads me on to talking about Patreon. So this is a free stream uh, because we did cover given on the free. It would only be fair that we do it again for the movie. Um, and it's a special one-off kind of thing. But we do have Patreon questions, because that's a privilege our patrons have for this particular film, as well as our other shows that we cover on Warrior Death Show. Actually, so if you're not on Patreon right now... oh, Actually, we did Given for second stream. I'm pretty sure. Did we? I'm pretty sure we did. Cry- Christ, next thing you know, you're going to tell me that I had a full head of hair at that point, and I also spoke <laughs> in a very e- exaggerated British action- accent, you know. It'll... Oh yes, right, right. I do believe these boys are quite good together. Yes, <laughs> a natural pair. Yes. Ah, uh, rather. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love how they uh, anyway, strum anyway. the guitar with their delicate fingers. <laughs> so, uh, if you would rather like to send us a couple of guineas and groats our way <laughs> for the Patreon, <laughs> no, I can't do that. guineas. I could. I would love to do that voice all night, but I'm going to keep it on tap. Uh, anyway. Point being, um, if you do want to become a patron of ours and indeed participate in asking questions of stuff that we cover, be it one-off things like The Given Movie, or the shows we're currently covering like Wonder Egg Priority, uh, Girls Last Tour, uh, and of course Horror Mia, uh, get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash Warrior Death Show. And um, <clears throat> if you just have a look at the two, three, five, and dollar tier, sorry, two, three, and five dollar tiers there, they get you increasing rewards commensurate with the amount of money you provide us. Uh, we also have things like uh, group hangouts in our Discord. Uh, we also contribute a slice of our revenue to the uh, ongoing uh, new anime creation system, I think it's called. I keep 
giving that thing different names every single time. But you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot, a uh, lot of benefits on there. Definitely do check it out. All right, <clears throat> cool, cool. Shall we start going on to patron questions? Let's do Doc? it. Let's do it. I'm ready to ready to dig into the boys, the band, the music, the themes, the hotness. Mm-hmm. Let's let's roll. Let's roll. Okay, so we have a number of questions here, firstly, from Kate Rose. Um, And the very first one is, if you recall your original opinion, good luck with that for me, (laughs) uh, how did your opinion of Ugetsu Murata, Akiko's roommate... Oh, I do remember um, this. ...change between the anime and the movie? (sighs) Well, here's the thing, right? In fact, no, I'll let you answer first off while I have a a, uh, stroke of my beard and a sip Mm, of my beard. Yes, yes. Uh, so I remember thinking this this Ugetsu chap, he's up to no good, right? He is uh, using uh, Akihiko or, or just you know fucking around, uh, and he. I remember specifically thinking that he was going to try to like lead Mafuyu astray, be it oh, like, that, that, that. like away from. Uh, Ueno Yama, um, which I can't wait to hear you pronounce that again. We that was uh, one of our OG pronunciation struggles. Uh, well, who am I kidding? We've always uh, the OG pronunciation struggles started in 2015, <laughs> but, but uh, it's never stopped. It's never, it will never stop. Uh, can't stop, won't stop. Fucking up the Japanese language. We can't. Um, we can't stop. <laughs> that is the problem. Yeah. But so I remember thinking, like, is he gonna like, you know try to destroy this boy emotionally just to like coax out of him beautiful art um you know which turns out to be like a a little bit um prescient in terms of like how he thinks about like just how he is himself you know but um but yeah no i remember thinking that he had ill intentions but definitely my opinion of him in the movie is very much like okay um he's like really damaged and I kind of feel sorry for him. Like, you know, he's got this, the music thing going, of course, like he's just sort of a savant on the violin, but like as far as being like a healthy, mature adult person, like who can like communicate and process their feelings and be honest with other people about the, got a long way to go. And he's involved in a very just like, like he and Akihiko, like I'm trying to think of how to describe their. It's like they're sort of like this dark gack binding them together, and they're trying to like wrench out of it, but it's painful and hard, yeah. and uh, it's just it's tough. Uh, so I definitely have um, come around on like my perspective of him is now one of more empathy than it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would pretty much agree. Like he, he was an outsider, and in a way he still is. But like when I say an outsider in the show, like uh, proper, we only ever really had him presented as an interloper, if you want to call mm. it that. You know, like I think I think if if you, if you ever wanted to do shipping in the original show, beyond of course Sue the Armor and Matthew, then of course it would be Akiko and uh, Haruki. Is it Haruki? Is Haruki? Yes. I keep thinking it's Haruki, but it's not. It's Haruki. Uh, <laughs> and then we see, of course, Ugetsu so up, and he's like, you know, the how do I put this? Uh, he's the spanner. The, the, he's, he's, he's the obstacle. Yeah, he's the spanner. The fly in the ointment. The obstacle to be overcome. He doesn't really come across as a fully crafted like character with like dimensions to him. 
which is by design, by the way, uh, at least in terms of the show's scope, because the show's scope is mostly uh, Ueniyama and Matthew's story, with, of course, what's happening with Akiko and Haruki in the side. Uh, and it's no coincidence, by the way, that the movie is a complete inversion of that, but we'll discuss that later. Um, I will say, when I watched the show, I did think he had big soul-devouring energy about him. There was mm-hmm. definitely something, you know, like, you know, this guy is a reaper, I'm, I'm calling it, yeah. you know? And and there was a scene, of course, you know, in the movie where Matthew goes to see uh, Ugetsu in a part where he's, like, very emotionally distressed with what's been happening with Akiko, and I'm like, oh, no. Keep no. your hands off our pure child. <laughs> yeah. But, well, so the thing about sunlight, sometimes it's so blinding, like, you know, it's too hot to the touch. Right. Uh, so, thankfully, there, w- there was no soul devouring in this uh, anime, something I don't usually often get to say, but it's true. Um... To use my own description of why I think the both of them are like, which is Ugetsu and Akiiko, think of, this is going to sound weird, but think of uh, Ugetsu as like a planet that's orbiting, is a, like, that's just standalone, obviously it's own sun, and then Akiko is like something that got caught in his gravity, and mm. then they circle around each other. But by being this close to each other, they cause damage to each other, and then mm-hmm. eventually, you know, because of that gravity, they just keep getting pulled back together. There's something like, I would also describe it like as magnetic between them two. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in terms of attraction, like, you know, and obviously, you know, chemistry. Yes, I see that, yeah. But I think in turn also, like, it just makes it very difficult for them to escape from me. Escape maybe is not the right word, but, you know, uh, part ways from each other. Yeah. Um, could also call it a bit elastic, I would say. Um, but yeah, like, by design, like, again, Ugetsu was not a fully fleshed character in the original show, which I'm okay with. Uh, but I do think that, and I think I said as much at the time, like, we need to learn more about him later, of course. Uh, and this is what this movie delivers. Um, there is another question coming up soon where we will be asked about our feelings on the movie. And I don't want to jump ahead to that quite yet. Okay. But in that area, uh, I do 100% uh, feel that Ugetsu transitions from being a background threat, if you want to call him that, to a realized character with a purpose and a role and, like, you know... Mm-hmm. S- someone mm-hmm. we can sympathize with and get invested with emotionally. Uh, it would be very easy totally. to make him a two-bo- 2D character, like, you know, to be the purely one-sided, um, God, how do I put it, gaslighting, possessive bastard, or something <laughs> like that, you know, where he's completely in the wrong, and Akihiko just can't, you know, uh, just can't get away from him because he's constantly having his head. But no, they're both arguably as guilty as each other. If anyone person in that pair is more to blame the other that it's not by much in my opinion at least not as presented yeah yeah and um they they were both so young when they when they Mm. when they met and fell in love so there's probably like a lot of fear you know when you have this kind of formative relationship uh and it's your first Mm -hmm. love and you're kind of still growing up and growing into adulthood as it matures and then takes a downturn and you start it starts being becoming destructive but like you know it's it's like you know at the end of the movie Mafuyu's song kind of gestures at and and we see uh Ugetsu say like um you know you, you there's still you still have to like they still have to come apart um but but gosh like how yeah it must have been really scary i mean i I can't uh you know i can't i can't imagine 
I guess my situation is very different because yeah, I don't even want to compare it to but but I can I can sympathize though with them not feeling like they can end it because like they might lose something that's important about their their own selves and identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. We'll probably go into more detail in that later, but um, I can wholeheartedly say with confidence that this film does deliver on giving Akiko, Haruki, and Ugetsu like the fleshing out and the actual character arc that character arcs that they needed uh, that were absent from the show. Again, just because the show was mostly focused on a uh, you know Matthew and Ernie armor, but now it it rightly gives the time to these other characters and delivers on that. Very happy about that. Okay. It was weird, right? At, at first. It's like, mm. what, what's, what's Oenoyama? Like, where is he? Like, he's uh, he's not doing it, but but this he, is... He, he has barely any lines in this show. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> he's like he, a band he, manager, basically. <laughs> he, is, he is there. He is yeah. present in the show, and that's it, really. But that's... Well, I, I say that, but there is obviously a bit more to it than that. Oh, but yeah. He, his, his contribution, like, is of the entire group, like, in terms of what they bring to the narrative is probably the least. And again, yeah. that's by design. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. But compare and contrast that to the show where he was along with, arguably just behind Matthew, mm-hmm. like the driving force of the entire thing. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately pleased with that. All right. The next question, this is the big one. Uh, we said we were going to get to this scene and this is the time. So well, I have beer here, probably, you know, what was your reaction to the non-consensual scene as it began and after it ended, and in spoiler tags, Haruki seemed to consent posthumously, so I wondered if that changed anything to you. Oh, fucking hell. Um, uh, right, okay, there's a lot. There is, yeah. a, there is a mountain to unpack Roll here, up but your let's sleeves. actually answer... Um, I, I Time can't to get anymore the without showing off too much... I was going to say, I might have to take my little shirt off of this range, so that's the way. Anyway, no. Um, so let's answer the first part of Kate's question there, which is, what was your reaction to the scene as it began? Uh, my reaction was, holy fucking shit. Um, because the way that this scene is constructed, the way that it's edited, the way it's got the music, the very sinister background music, and I... like. We've known Akihiko all the way through the show, and he's actually been a positive force yeah. rather, particularly for Inuyama. You know, totally. I remember, I remember that like the pivotal scene with him, like you know, having sharing a drink with him, like out of the vending machine, and discussing like you know what it means to be queer. I, I thought, like, I thought that was a really good scene in that. Um, but I have to say, to the credit of the movie and the way this is framed, I wasn't sure what was going to happen next, and I think that even though, like, if I really step back and pause the the movie and five about no it's not going to go to the extreme you know it's not going to go to the point where he's going to physically violate him or even rape him there i say like if i really like took myself out of that moment and thought about it that wasn't going to happen but in the moment with the music playing with you know haruki's like reaction to it um i I really did not know what yeah. was going to happen next. Yeah, you almost and, feel and, like and um, that... you almost feel like Haruki, right? Because Akihiko feels capable. Claustrophobic. Yeah, you, Aki feels capable of anything in that moment. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, afterwards, uh, particularly in relation to the consensual thing, I don't. I think I, I think I'll be clear on this. Like, just because Haruki says it doesn't make it true. 
Uh, it doesn't like wipe everything away. It doesn't, you know, absolve the character. But what uh, is consent if not? Yes. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you know. I, yeah, but but there's still. I, I agree with you though. I mean, not to like pull the rug out from under you here or, or steal your thunder, but yeah, I I will definitely say. And none of this is meant to like condemn the movie, like in terms of no, making no, it no. like you know bad or unwatchable or anything like that. But but I do think. Uh, you know, you have a situation where Haruki is just trying to rationalize things, right? Um, because the he he's a victim of a sexual assault at the hands of someone that he loves and cares about, and that's like honestly the most like many many sexual assaults are are you know from someone you know, and of mm-hmm. those a great deal of them are from someone that you know the the victim has some kind of relationship with and you know it's in that kind of very traumatic moment i mean it will be totally understandable for haruki as a victim to want to minimize what happened to him to not make it a big deal to like put some emotional distance between so you know what i mean like i i feel like we the audience are the third party here that Kind of, we get to be mm-hmm. the fly on the wall. The kind of camera of objectivity is given to us, and I think for me, I would say that it definitely was was not. Um, no. I don't think it was. This is just kind of a you know a a sexual fantasy of Haruki's where you know because there are those things like that is a, a very normal kind of kink or or fetish or whatever where you know. Mm-hmm. It's like ah, if I, rape fantasy it's, it's or a, resistance, but it, like it is still consensual yeah. in a meta way. That's not the situation. Yeah. If I may just add as well, uh, to go back to the show, there were of course those scenes where Akiko came and stayed at Haruki's place, and it was all very pleasant and convivial. Nothing happened, but you know he had him over, and it was it was cool. You know they got along well. You know, I think there was one point where he started styling his hair, if I recall correctly. Um, this is me really dredging deep in my memories Um, but yeah I don't believe that it suddenly makes it okay because he said it I think that he is saying it as a rationalization for himself and also possibly to quote unquote save face Uh, or you know try not not offend Akiko Um, but there's a lot more to this scene that I want to dissect because there's so much of it that I think really speaks to the maturity of this material that handles it as well as it does and also shows the very powerful after effects so the first thing I want to talk about um, is what actually happens and this is the point where I have to discuss and this is unfortunately what you may not come to the uh, you know the channel for let's talk about sex acts let's talk about sex acts you know so what is Akiko actually trying to do here? By the way, this is not my prelude to him, like me saying, oh, it was totally fine because he did this particularly. It was not fine. Not at all. No. No way. No. But um, what I do need to clarify is what he's specifically doing here, because I think it gives us a key into his mindset. He's trying to give Haruki oral. Uh, would sure. you agree? Yeah, 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 definitely. And I know the moment you're speaking of. Yes. Yep. Uh, why that particular sex acts over, well, obviously the worst alternative or other things, basically. Um, the way I read this is I think that because Akiko's like common thread throughout this film is that he doesn't feel like he belongs in a home anywhere. Like he is essentially doing this to pleasure Araki 
and try and, you know, in his own twisted way, this is not, again, uh, uh, me excusing him, only trying to come to terms with the psychology behind it. Uh, his own way of like trying to please him to make him, you know, want him to stay. That kind of thing, you know. Um, that's the way I read him choosing that particular act over doing anything else. It's not for his own pleasure. That's the key. You know, that doesn't mean, of course, like when you give oral to someone that you can't find it enjoyable. So, you know, like you might enjoy pleasuring your partner. But, you know, I think the balance here is very much in I want to please him, even though obviously Haruki wants nothing to fucking do well, with this. It, yeah, I mean, definitely like, hmm. I feel like there's almost not enough information. Like we can't really see in his brain. Um, but but I guess maybe this would be a little bit out of character for him. But I mean, but that whole scene is out of character for him uh, in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he, uh, what I'm what I'm beating around the bush to Don of is like it could be a just a method of control. Like he's going straight for the old uh, center of the tootsie pop to. Uh, to like soothe the resistance and and you know get in and break through that he wants to 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 end that you know it could be sort of a manipulation thing, um because and I mean that sounds awful like but what he's doing is awful I think in that moment he's and it's it's very much out of character and not him but still very bad, um so yeah I don't know I don't know if um. I'm, I'm, again, not, abs- not absolving, not trying to, you know, cast anything, this is anything other yeah, than yeah, uh, a yeah. violation of Haruki's space. Just getting into the reasoning why he's doing this particular act over anything else, why he's going straight to that, you know, I'm going to please you so you can, you'll keep me close, you know, because that's sure. uh, the terms yeah, yeah, that he yeah, operates yeah. on, particularly with Ugetsu, I think, as well. Yeah. Note, for example, that when Ugetsu gets back at the very start of the film, we cut straight to the, you know, him trying to sleep with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to their relationship that he's only ever couched in terms of physicality rather than connection because they know that part that is long dead. Yeah, yeah. But he wants to keep him close, you know. Um, Lucy's also in chat. Also, right, pointing out he was drinking the alcohol. Uh, we don't we don't know how much he had drunk, by the way. But um, it doesn't. I matter. saw three. It's not an excuse. No. I saw three cans, but there could have been more. Mm. <laughs> but. I mean, drinking drinking is drinking is very bad for you, and you shouldn't do it. Now, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> yeah. mm. Oh, uh, okay. also that scene well, there's, there's... that scene could have been um it's funny we're like trying to like tie it in very tightly with like characterization and story and for all we know it could have been a sort of legal thing you know what I mean where they couldn't <laughs> maybe they felt like there was some kind of censorious pressure not to show certain things and so they had to sort of keep the clothes on I don't really know. Oh, it's it's, it's fine. You, you you know what they could have done if that was if that was the case, they could have just given Crunchyroll, you know, the default seventy two p, you know, quality option. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing getting uh, uncensored. Then <laughs> fine, covered. Yeah, all side. I mean, but um, they do but have the the het scene where Aki is just all there. So who the fuck she, knows she, she was she was she was just checking his prostate it's fine yes that's it was exactly a medical it was a medical yeah for sure that's what was happening yeah anyway yeah uh, um oh by the way i've got to get this joke out there um what made me really laugh and i don't think this was intentional is uh of course haruki like calls akiko while that is happening uh and he said you know you're not coming uh, you're not coming are you and i was like i think he might be <laughs> should die Oh, I'm sorry. Shadon. I'm sorry, but I mean, 
you know, she was going for the low-hanging fruit. Why can't I? <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, but there is there is more to discuss here as well. I, I want to note the prelude to all of this, which is that Akihiko, like, even though he seems also like in his mind that he doesn't feel settled, like there's a place he can truly call home in terms of both having a roof over his head and just, you know, somewhere with warmth and comfort. Like, remember the text conversation he has is like 10 to midnight, which is, uh, are you awake? Uh, yes. Uh, can I stay the night? What? I'm already here. Uh, yeah, which... Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a tightrope that walks me, and that's and this is not, again, not a bad thing, where, again, there's that familiarity of, um you know, in other circumstances. It, in fact, that actually did happen in the show, don't forget. There were times when he said, I've been drinking, can I stay over? Mm-hmm. And Haraku's perfectly fine for that. But this time around, it's him abusing that position of trust. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to wait, uh, you know, I'm going to get there and then text him. And that's really fucking manipulative, to be quite honest, yeah. because he's already there. Yes, there. It would be easier for Haruki to refuse, of course, if he was a couple of blocks away. It's ugh, it's quite nasty when you put it like that. Um, now, I should stress, by the way, as I go for all this, like, Akiko fucks up royally in this film, uh, but that does not make him unsalvageable. We'll discuss that as we go along, of course. Yeah, um, I mean, even... So for me, like... There was, I was really worried around this point of the movie because I was like, are they gonna like torpedo this character for me? Will I, I used to really like him. It, you know, <laughs> will I still be able to like him? That, that would suck. Um, but I think the movie does do a pretty good job of like kind of bringing him back from this, but also to me, like it's, it's, in the same conversation uh, as the physical stuff where he's like being, where Akihiko is being so sort of like gaslighty almost to Haruki where he's like, it feels like he's just sort of saying like, you know, why are you hiding things? What's your problem? What's the matter with you? And it's like, he is clearly the one who's fucked up in so many ways. So yeah. that really like upset me, but I really, I think, mm. I think that they did enough for me to really redeem the character. And, and I do want to point yeah. out before we leave this scene that oh, I've got plenty more to say about oh, this okay. as well. So we're not going <laughs> okay. anywhere just yet. Okay. I just, um, there's another dimension to all this that, um, that Gogo brought up and that I was talking to you about offline that, you know, in, in boys love shown and I stuff, um, those are probably not even the same thing. Like the, the, um, the terminology has, there's such different shades of meaning between, um, like a lot of words that get thrown around to refer to this, you know, that, that they're thrown around as synonyms. They're not exactly synonyms, right? Like boys love Shonen I and Yahweh. They're very different kinds of things. But anyway, whatever this show is, like, I think we've called the BL, I think BL works. Um, mm-hmm. So in in BL, like you have Gogo mentioned that like you have these sort of assaulty situations um, as kind of a shorthand and meant to be like an emotional metaphor, um, and that that sort of thing gets I don't want to say a free pass, but like considering the audience that. Um, that these things uh, are for, generally speaking, like there's more of a kind of fantasy element to all this. And it's like the, 
the the kind of human cost and the emotional stakes. Well, not the emotional stakes, but the physical stakes, which bring about like emotional consequences, are like um, maybe downplayed is the right word. But but but, yeah. but like, and I'm not saying that this is an invalid way to read it. I'm just saying like, this is here, and I guess I shouldn't be super surprised because it's BL. And there are ways of integrating this kind of imagery into stories that, um, I don't know, are sort of less problematic ways. But like that, I don't think that that means that you and I can't sit here and say, look, here's what this is. And it sort of sucks for us uh, the way that we're reading it, too. So, I mean, there's this multidimensional stuff in terms of the ways we can look at this and the way it fits into like the history of BL as a, as a genre. Yeah. Um, make no mistake though. Like I think that the show, the, the movie rather is very clear where it crosses the line from the danger being sexy to it being just flat out danger. Like I would, I would like in other, I could see a similar sort of directed seed with different contexts and of course different reactions where otherwise a lot of it plays out similarly and which would be, you know, sexy shall we say um yeah. but uh but make no mistake the movie is clear on that there's no ambiguity it isn't also trying to portray anything that akiko does as good i mean the music is damn fucking clear on that that to me felt like i was listening to some john carpenter shit holy crap uh, it was sinister <laughs> man i don't even remember um, it i think i was just so caught up in the moment that i wasn't processing the music yeah you uh, there was also like a lot of good editing with the camera angles and stuff like close-ups of like uh, Haruki says like you know and all that mm-hmm. um, also the moment afterwards uh, I think is really great because we don't ever see Akigo's face but we get to see uh, Haruki like in a position of extreme like vulnerability like like he's almost fecal even like you know in his, in his the way he's saying um, it, yeah I think it works really well but there's other things I want to know so there's a trope in fiction when it comes to what happens to victims of sexual assault or rape. And I know that this actually, some people do this in real life when it happens to them as well. Uh, so when I say trope, I don't mean to downplay. I'm just merely pointing out what it is, which is when that happens, what they tend to do is they tend to go and have a shower. Now that might not very well be because they've actually been, you know, trying to clean themselves right. physically, but they are trying, they do feel violated. You know, they feel dirty. Uh, that does not happen in the film. But there are things that I think fit that kind of mold, particularly with the dialogue that Haruki says afterwards. You know, uh, you can stay the night. Uh, anything in here is yours. Um, don't even bother locking up. Because uh, he leaves, of course. He goes and stays at the friend whose name I forget, but we've seen the show. Um, and I think that's a very key uh, indicator to his mindset. Yeah. Uh, and indeed, the mindset of a sexual assault victim, which is, this is no longer a safe place. The, the, mm. This is the thing that's so wounding about this. Akiko did what he did, and again, not to excuse, only to explain. He did what he did because he had been cut loose from a home, you know, cut loose from a place of safety. He was told, you know, you're not, you don't belong anymore. I brought my new boyfriend over, whatever. And the tragedy of this is he has now done the exact same thing as Haruki by violating his space and cutting him off from his own, you know, sanctuary. It's it's horrible when you think about it. He has just done the exact same thing that's been done to him, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Haruki goes and cuts his hair, which is a well, fucking We'll get moment. to that in a bit. <laughs> I mean... We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. 
But yeah, I this scene it was horrible to watch by design. Um, but I think it handles the content maturely. It doesn't pull shit I've seen in other shows where it tries to write it off as just. I mean, there is stuff from Haruki, and and there is one small thing afterwards that kind of annoy me. Where when he goes to his friends, it's like you've been through a lot. And it's presented a bit too comedically for my taste. Mm. And the, when I say that, like, I don't mind like if Haruki himself laughs it off. But like, we get you know the way his face looks like he's just frazzled, like he's trying to. He looks like he's been trying to solve a really difficult math problem. Yeah, and that's not the impression I should be getting. Like. There's a difference between how the characters act and how they are presented to us in terms of the animation and character design. And that, to me, I think was a moment where the tone didn't quite flow naturally. Um, But that's the only real complaint I have about it, and that's obviously after the actual scene. The rest of it, all the dialogue works. Um, It all is handled really well. Um, I, again, don't think it condones Akiko's behaviour at all, but we have an understandable through line. And this is why I've said before, like, I don't mind stuff like this being in fiction. Like, but, but I've criticized stuff like, say, Shield Hero or Redo or all that other bollocks that we've talked about before. Um, the problem is, is that they never narratively justify it in a way that doesn't come across as misogynistic or, you know, just or even just, how should we say, vicious or spiteful. Um where they try to just justify the character's behavior. It's like, oh, it, you know, he got done over by a woman and now he's doing it back to them. Uh, which is not a reasonable narrative yeah, excuse. I was this this this. So sorry, go on. No, I was just going to ask you um, what you know. T- talking about this subject, and we've <laughs> we visited this delightful subject a handful of times yeah. in the history of the pod um, because of anime. Uh, but like, how oh how would um, how would you compare this and uh, and how you felt about it to uh, the similar scene in uh, Wings of Oniamis because I, I felt I, way I, better about this than that. I oh my god, I knew I knew that was coming a mile. Off. <laughs> okay. Um, for for the record, for the record, like I think that Wings of Oniamis does have that understandable through line. Mm-hmm. Now, bear with me here on this. Okay. Uh, and and it does not try to paint what has happened to the character uh, or what the character is doing as good. No. But there are key differences in its execution. Uh, the first of which is that Akiko's through line is still very much about intimacy and sexuality. You know, it comes from that place. It's it's inexplicably it's inextricably bound to that because that was his relationship with Ugetsu. That's the language that he has used to. Inter- Sorry, go on. I just have a question. When you say the through line, do you, could you mind elaborating on what you mean by that? Like the characters. Okay, what what led up to the event? Mm-hmm. What led up to the events? Like, were, like I see. were there? I see. Right. I, I I feel I feel very antsy about saying an understandable because I think that you often use as it can be used as a loaded term I think where it makes it coherent, acceptable, coherent maybe. Coherent, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, coherent. So there's a coherent like path mm-hmm. of how we got here, and in Wigs of Animize, that was uh, Shiro's like pressure yeah. and stress from the space Am I the assassination of to the stars you know yeah yeah that'll that stuff um but the difference between that and this one is of course that this act is bound in like it's built up to through like you know interactions we get to which are sexual in nature there is a much cleaner for lack of a better term uh through line for that um the other problem is that in wings of animize uh, Shiro doesn't really face any massive consequences. 
Now, when I say consequences, right. people might think, uh, do you mean do you mean prison? What what do you mean by that? I mean narrative consequences. I mean, you know, like where the gra- the, the the scene that happened, grave as it was, needs to be followed up. We get a scene in that film where he speaks to Reckney and like, you know, she forgives him. And that's really it. And I feel like that's not enough. It really, um, yeah. It did not feel nearly enough in that movie. Which yeah, is otherwise I mean, a good movie. I w- <laughs> yeah, it, oh, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. If you literally skip that scene entirely, if you pluck that out, it would be a perfect anime movie. I agree. Uh, it's a beautiful film. Uh, but anyway, that's discussion for a different day. Uh, but in this show, of course, sorry, in this film, uh, the... Akiko's actions do have lasting consequences that carry through until the closing frame of the film. Mm-hmm. So the build-up is better because it's more appropriate for the, you know, for it, narratively speaking, that is. And yeah. the aftermath of it is uh, more, uh, is handled better as well because it follows through to a proper conclusion. It isn't like Gunbuster, you know. Oh, we he tried it on and then, you know, he's, sorry, not Gunbuster. Die-buster. Die-buster, I meant to say. Right, right. <laughs> Mm. Oh, it's it's not as good as that. <laughs> Bloody no, hell! Uh, I'm not talking about that scene specifically. I, it's funny. I don't even remember that scene very well because I haven't watched it since we talked about it four years ago. At this point, <laughs> it's been it's been oh, a while. Bloody hell! Uh, yeah, uh, but there's something something else I want to mention as well. Why this scene is, exists in this film? Because this is also going to tie into what I'm going to discuss later about Ueniyama and Matthew's role in the uh, film, roles in the film. Because we need the context, by the way, that they are now in a relationship. The film doesn't ever really go into that. You might even argue that if you had no context, you could see it as being very platonic. You know, they're just best buds kind of thing. Although there is, of course, that in turn, in a monologue line from Matthew saying, my feelings for Ueniyama. And if you read that as anything but he's totally got the hot strip, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, but, like, the thing that happens at the end, of course, is that um, Akiko and Haruki do end up in a relationship, but their relationship is not based on physicality. It is based on, uh, you know, emotional intimacy. That's why they have the big hug at the end, you know, mm-hmm. apart from other things. And that's why Matthew and um, Ueniyama exist in this film and don't really otherwise do much that you might think as being, like, you know, very out there. You'd think they'd be all over each other, like, you know, now that they're properly together. Uh and I'm not saying there's not a time and place for that, of course, but rather they serve as a contrast. Mm-hmm. And they have their little quiet moment together, you know, where they yeah. where they snuggle. But yeah, they're just not. That's just not them. They don't have to be, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really quick. And that's. Oh, sorry. You finish. Sorry. Finish your point. No, no. You finish. Yeah. And, and that and that's why this another reason why this scene exists, the non-consensual scene, because it shows that you know, sexual intimacy, like good for good or bad, is no substitute for emotional intimacy and a close connection yeah yeah um one you know that they can be the byproduct of one another but that's one is not a sufficient condition for the other and like you're saying uh one the 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 sex without without the intimacy uh in this film anyway is is presented as not being not being enough right um so uh, I think once again, I'm going to shout out Gogo Atomic Robot, excellent chat user, excellent chat user, um, mm-hmm. and patron. Uh, she brought up a point that I think may seem obvious, but I think is worth us just saying out loud 
for people uh, that are only getting the audio version of this. And that is that the scene in question is very important um, because it shows uh, non-consensual sexual assault in what had heretofore and after uh, even uh, had been um, like a loving relationship. And Mm -hmm. it's extremely important, I think, that 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 this idea of like, you know, just because we're close or just because we're great friends or just because we're dating, just because we're married, um, that that implies some kind of like sexual ownership. Like that is so bad and so wrong. Uh, and that consent, even in relationships with, labels and define boundaries like you still absolutely need it it is still it is not a thing that can be taken for granted partners can Mm -hmm. have every right to still refuse i don't care what the bible says kids (laughs) (laughs) uh they have and and that in in a healthy mature relationship is okay should be okay uh and is normal is quite normal because you know if you're with somebody all the time they're not always gonna feel up for this <laughs> so they have every right and, yeah. and a, a full agency to be like no go go screw off i'm busy <laughs> or i have a headache yeah. you know or i don't want to yeah. uh so yeah i think that was worth saying yeah you're absolutely right consent is not something that's just once and done um, I put a ring on it, know, it, so a, that's consent forever. Yeah. It, wow, that's one way of describing it. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of something else immediately. Uh. <laughs> oh dear. Um, no, you're right. And then also, of course, there is the fact that there are certain boundaries people set in terms of their sexual encounters as well. Some, I mean, I discussed sex acts before. Like, you know, some people don't like oral. They don't like giving it, don't like receiving it. And you know what? That's fine. You know, we... You basically, and indeed this is why music is such a, uh, <clears throat> you know, this is why like music is, is a big part because music is a, a dialogue, you know. That's why we get so many scenes, for example, saying the band is out of sync, for example, because they literally are, it is a metaphor uh, for dialogue. Um, and that's, of course, why Akiko learns the violin initially, even though his leanings eventually take him elsewhere. You know, he's a musical genius in many respects. He can play many instruments. So, yeah, um, I 100% agree with that point. It is worth reiterating. Um, consent is key, and it's consent that must be, you know, like un- intimately understood between you both um, on a moment-by-moment and behavior-by-behavior basis. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, next question. Next question. Uh, uh, from the animator of the movie... How do you think Matthew has changed and what do you think caused it? Well, I think the ending, I think the arc he went through in the show caused that. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he had his big moment at the end of the end of the season um, where he performed. And then he spoke with Ernie Armour and he, like basically the reason, Aki, the reason uh, Matthew changed between uh, the show and the movie is because of the uh, because of the show itself seems uh, pretty self-explanatory to me. Do you mind repeating the question? Apologies. Mm. 
The question is, from the anime to the movie, how do you think Matthew has changed and what do you think caused it? I mean, I'll just add something else to that, what I said, okay. which is he starts this film basically where he ended at the and at the end of the show. I don't think there's been any substantial change in the time that we've not seen. Um, but I think it's just a perfect like progression yeah. point of like where he ended to, to where he's now. I don't I don't think there's like a dis a discernible change like in his because also that'd be bad like you know oh you know he's suddenly a different person like in the movie versus the show which we last saw like in 2019 what the fuck happened in the interim uh no i think he picks up pretty much where he left off which was that he was in a better place but he is still of course like you know nervous um he's still in, he's still a dog you know there's that amazing like the, the thing that made me think to myself you know what i'm back with the show like, it's like i never left is when he spots akiko uh, macking on a girl who i thought was ernie Yama's sister by the way but it's not oh yeah I'm she was like totally not. absent from this movie um which i mean is, that also brings me up the question was was <laughs> that also actually retroactively paints like akiko's relationship with her in a really like unfortunate light because well Unlike, but then again, like, you know, did he ever stay over Akiko, sorry, at Ueno Yama and his sister's house? Hmm, mm. curious. Anyway, but no, uh, I I think that he basically picks up where he left off. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And, and Go ahead. And that's fine, mm -hmm. you know. I'd rather that I'd rather that we continue where we left off than an unspecified amount of time has, happened, has passed and he is a different person. Um I mean, uh, Wushan Sweeben uh, says... Oh, she was like, in the um, audience. That's Ueniyama cool. Assist. I, I don't think it was her. Um, I think it was just some random... Because it would feel very strange to put her in... I mean, then again, though. When I say I don't think it was her, I haven't read the manga, so maybe the manga is more textual on this. But I feel it would be very weird for her just to pop up in there without her otherwise having a single line of dialogue or any involvement in the film. Especially given her previous relationship with Akiko. It seems a bit odd to me. But if that is actually her... I don't mind. It's not the end. It's it's so like minor. It doesn't matter. But anyway, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I totally missed it. I'll have to go relook at it again and see, like, and and, and see. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Is it is it her? Is it the girl that cried the first <laughs> the first time that they were where they where they were called uh, weren't they called like the Four Seasons or something like that? And they did their song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to check on it. But to answer the question, Mafia's arc, um, uh, I, you know, it was striking to me because the way I kind of remembered him is like the shy boy that needed help with everything. And he seems like a lot more comfortable in his own skin. And that may be just because he has a support system there of, of the two older boys and also Uenoyama, uh, who he can lean on. Like when he was getting nervous, you know, it's like, I'm so nervous now. Like, and not because he thought he would fuck up. It's so funny, but because like he wanted to um, clearly communicate his, his message. Like he was nervous that like his real feelings wouldn't get through, which is so cool. Like he was super inspired and he was motivated. You know, all the other boys were reacting like, is this Mafia? Like he's a genius. Like he's, he's understands musical theory. Like it seems like he's got more initiative and he's doing shit in the background. Um, I mean, he actually goes to a get on his own, yeah, you know, totally. which that, is like, that feels like that was quite a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it feels like he has, you know, if, if maybe a little time has passed between 
the TV show and the movie is if, like you said, he just kind of continued that linear upward trajectory of becoming more comfortable, confident, and able. Um, and yeah, just like getting, having that support from his, uh, partner and his friends, like really kind of propel him, uh, to like the next level, so to speak. And it was really a delight to see, like, I, I was so pleased for him in this movie that like, Hmm. yeah, it was just like, we got to see, you know, we're coming back and we see like, this is our boy. Like he's, he's done it. Like he's a true adult now. <laughs> he's getting shit done. <laughs> it rules. Like he's writing songs. He's, um, you know, he's paying social calls. Uh, he is taking the initiative to achieve his goals. Like it seems like he's, I don't know, just fully realizing himself and actualizing. Yeah. He's still not without his little quirks and nervousness here and there, but as you say, like he's, infinitely in a better place than he was at the start of the show but insofar as the transition from the end of the show to the movie well he starts the movie as he was at the end of the show and builds from there seems pretty natural to me totally 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 all right next next question uh when you heard there was a movie was this uh what you were hoping to or expecting to see if not how did the reality differ from your expectation what I want to see, well, basically, to me, um, we've discussed this in Horimiya, and we said, like, you know, we want the characters to end up in a relationship, and then to see them develop that relationship. But I think there are times when we're happy just for them to end up in a relationship, and it's a good, still a good end point. That works for a lot of stories, you know? You ride off into the sunset with the girl or the guy, and so on and so forth. And that's fine. We can then imagine whatever we choose to as an audience, uh, you know, where they go next. So for me, I was totally okay with... Um, you know, the end of the show being the end of the focus on them as a couple. Because, and the way, the reason I say that is because we, of course, had Akiko and Haruki, who they had their background, you know, they were simmering in the background. We saw all the things going on with them. They played second fiddle to Uediyama and Matthew, like, providing supporting roles, but they had their own thing going on. But that was still pretty much unresolved. I mean, Ugetsu, like, you know, he was, as I said, an interloper. We didn't know very much about him. So, to me, the perfect movie follow-up would have been, let's cover those two, or three rather, let's cover those three characters and give them the time that they are due. And it did that. Uh, so, yeah, that was my expectation, that it was going to go into those characters and give them a fully realised arc where we get to see, like, you know, a proper conclusion uh, to everything. Uh, we get some backstory on who gets to, and uh, Akiko in particular, and it hit all, yep, ticks all the boxes. I'm very bad at this kind of question i was expecting a good movie that i liked (laughs) that's pretty much it i don't yeah i I didn't want it to be shit (laughs) that's that's pretty much me i mean story-wise you know i mean i guess there were a lot of other directions they could have gone that might have been satisfying but i'm really glad that they did what they did like i said it really does feel like that you know the end of the 13 episodes arrives and they just they have more material they want to adapt and so they just chose to put it here and it felt essential and it felt right. And it felt like, you know, the same, it's obviously an adapting the, from the same source material, but the same director and the same writer, you know, are also handling this here. And it felt that way. It didn't feel like, oh, this has been handed off to someone else that has their kind of diff- own different way of doing it. 
And I mean, that could have been a thing uh, that could have easily happened. Uh, but I'm so ha- uh, glad that it did not. And that it feels of a piece. You know, it feels like episodes 14 and 15 um, for yep, sure. Pretty much. Okay, uh, next question. Um, this also comes from Kate Rose. Do you think Matthew was singing not only for Getsu Akiko, but for him himself and Yuki? Referencing Yoruga Akiru. I have no idea what that is. One of the um, songs, I'm sure. That's me. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, and the song in the movie, I think, probably is is the yeah. one she's referring to. Um, Possibly, but the truth of it is... Um, I don't think it really matters, and I know that sounds how dare weird you. to me say, but how dare you? But I think that I think that because the film is very much like Ugetsu Akiko and Haruki's story, like I don't, I'm not saying it's like you know it's impossible that it wasn't also for um, for Ueniyama. Sorry, no wait, you yeah, know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. I've just realized I'm getting I'm getting characters mixed up. Ignore me. Uh, it was Yuki, of course, was the was the oh uh, right. Guy who's, the, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, that that threw me for a moment. I I completely forgot. Um, quite possibly, but um, I will say this. Oh, that's so interesting. If that is the, if if that is the case, um, the film doesn't pay a lot of emphasis to that. Like, there's no flashback. We don't even like. There were, of course, flashbacks to Yuki, um, when you know is in the show, um, but there weren't any here. What I think that might encapsulate, though, is that the song, like, if it is, you know, meant to, it was originally written with Yuki in mind, like, I think that it's now being repurposed by Matthew to get across, because uh, the experience is, while not the same, still, of course, deal with the loss and leaving the behind of someone. Uh, you know, they're not obviously equivalent, but they're still, like, of the same core idea. So maybe he's ultimately repurposing that song for, you know, Akiko's experience because again with music being communication in this uh, in this film and indeed in the show um, Akiko offers commentary as this goes along where he's like you know suddenly very much reinvigorated mm-hmm. by it um, so I think that speaks to Matthew also like having grown as a character where he can recognize his own experiences and use them to help others um, through the power of his music so ultimately I don't know if it's meant for Yuki or not, but I think that it it's certainly possible, and I think that if it was meant for Yuki, like he was probably not the main reason anymore, because yeah. that that uh, that has that that has now been concluded. You know, the show concluded that, but I think it also again speaks to his growing emotional maturity that he's able to recognize that his experiences can reach other people. Like he's now reconciled himself to what happened with Yuki and now he can use it to help others so I think that's the way I think that's a great question because it makes me realize like Matthew's growing emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. that he can now do that to help other people yeah like I hadn't even thought about it at the time I if I had to place a bet right my bet would be that um that it was more of a sort of subconscious like lens which uh, Mafia could see and relate to what was happening, but not necessarily intentional. Because I feel like, you know, some a lot of the things he says about writing the song and performing and this performance in particular, Mafia feels very much like, you know, man, I, I have done it, <laughs> sort of. I mean, like we talked yeah. about how like 
that sort of process of uh, evolving yourself and and growing is a continual thing. But like that that he now feels so much freer because he's gotten closure with what happened with Yuki, and he's yes, yeah, he started to move on. Um, and but but I guess so he sees this person who really hasn't and maybe that's why he wants to reach out to him and I, I, so I and and I feel like again if I had to if I had to place a bet like Mafuyu wants other people to hear what he's saying and so it felt like what he's really doing is really trying to push that message out there to Agetsu but but like you know like Kate mentions like the 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 personal experience he has of of loss uh and letting go um and moving forward with your life could have like been what inspired him to look at the situation as a source of lyrics to begin with could have helped him frame everything um but i think that I, i think that was the intention and the specific purpose behind the song was was for those two um but but yeah that's really neat how the stories of those two couples kind of intersect in that way. That's cool. Yeah. It's also not unheard of in actual real life musicians to do that. Um, the one that pops into my mind is um, No Doubts Don't Speak, if you ever heard that. Indeed, I have. I was about Don't to. Speak. Yeah, I know what you're I thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that was Gwen Stefani actually writing about a relationship that she had ended with someone else in, in the, the band. band. Yeah. Uh, I, I know little more than that about it, uh, but I don't think uh, it would be unreasonable for me to say that that song, like someone probably listened to them and thought that they could relate to that, even though it was about a very specific, or came from a very specific experience or set of experiences that she had. Um, and of course, there's undoubtedly other examples that people can hear. I mean, uh, Jonathan Davis from Korn, for example, like a, a significant amount of his band's music, particularly in the early 2000s or late 1990s, was um drawn from his anger and you know his um his wound his emotional wounds from being bullied in school you know freak on a leash like classic song of course but so yeah it's also completely not unheard of in actual music for this to be a thing as well (laughs) definitely a song about being bullied adidas (laughs) Mm -hmm. not really yeah i can't remember adidas Um, oh it's a all day i dream about sex (laughs) uh yeah, and that's a weird. That's a corn uh, song that to me sounds like unlike many other corn songs. I actually really enjoyed it when I was uh, into the new metal. It was a lot more like low key uh, than you yeah. know the angry corn that you that you talk mm-hmm. about. Yep. Uh, well, at least at least they did better, you know, in the later years of their career as opposed to Gwen Stefani, who moved away from. You know, don't, genuinely don't, enjoyable. Don't, don't. Okay, you <laughs> say it. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Uh, what is our next question? <laughs> yeah, what's the next question before Doc gets physically violent <laughs> from another continent, no less? Um, we didn't get to see a lot of Matthew and Ueniyama. What scenes there were? What did you think of them as a couple? Um, well. Just before that, Lucy says, uh, you're saying corn, and my mind is seeing corn. Uh, that's the Weird Al Yankovic cover band. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. That's great. No, it, it, does, it doesn't. I'm just joking. Oh. Because you know that'd be a Weird Al, Al Yankovic totally. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Well, 
here's the thing, right? Um, I mentioned before in the discussion of the non-consensual, non-consensual scene, uh, which is for me, Matthew and Oyama, they're there in the back. They're basically like there's a reversal between their positions in the show uh, to where they are now versus what happened to Akiko and Haruki, where you know they are now background characters, and that's by design. Um, and I think they're there to show like a contrast of, you know, a stable forming, you know, budding relationship, romantic relationship, no less, uh, that is not couched as presented in entirely physical needs and wants. Like, again, that's how, like, we get presented to Getsu and Akiko at the very start of the film. Like, he comes up and it's immediately grabbing hold of him, forcing him into bed. There's no, oh, how was it or anything like that? There's no prelude. There's no build-up to that. It's just, I want to make, I want to be physical with them because that's the only language I can communicate with him with anymore you know that's the only thing i can try and use to literally and figuratively keep him close so i think whereas oh, go I, ahead. sorry go on. no sorry go on uh so uh, it's funny um the way that i think about these scenes is like so the two younger characters have now flipped and become like the more reliable two <laughs> for the older characters to to lean on in some in some respects i mean you know Haruki and and Aki are going through a whole bunch of shit and they're not exactly great at practice. They're not exactly coming to all the gigs they need to come to. But the younger kids mm-hmm. at this point are keeping it together and they are the reliable ones. They're writing the song. They're doing the scouting. Whereas the roles were reversed at one point in the previous series, like especially when Mafuyu was finding his feet as a, as a person and a musician. Yeah. And so that sort of speaks, I think, to the larger theme of the movie, which is sort of like the theme of balance. Um, And it made me think of like the Chinese Taoist philosophy, uh, you know, balance in all things, like the the energies of yin and yang, push and pull, like sternness and pliability, that relationships uh, and individual selves, like you need a combination of those opposing energies to maintain like a healthy balance and have a healthy life. And they talk about that being like the right way to make up a band, right? Like uh, you can't have four geniuses or you'd have four people pulling in different directions. Like we need someone who mm-hmm. plays support to other people. And that makes the the sound as a whole and the band as a whole function better. And I think that kind of theme trickles down to like just the way that the boys are in their relationships with each other outside of the band. And that again, you have what was previously like the older two being the support group while the younger two worked out all their stuff. And now that's flipped and the older two are having just this real emotional struggle. But Mafuyu and Uenoyama are, are kind of, keeping things uh together uh and again creating a more balanced harmonious situation for the band well once i was but the student now we are the masters exactly exactly (laughs) yeah basically yeah um i like the scenes of them as a couple though like you know when they just have that little moment like i'll have a hug and like and you get the nice little bit of banter where he says sir and it's like sir what the hell (laughs) that's That's very good that's like that's how you could tell matthew's like core in a dorkiness which is quite adorable is still there you know for all that he's like got to because one of the problems you'd have like when you get over an event like that is it might sand off your edges or you know make you lose what's really you you know that and he's still very much him but the 
the anguish that he feels is now gone or at the very least has been suppressed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the scenes shot as they were, I think that it was like, I liked, I wasn't, I was okay with the length of them. I didn't feel the need to see more of them. And that's not because I thought they were bad no. couple or anything, but more because the story was very much focused on Akiko and Araki, but they both played, I mean, well, particularly Matthew, like played great roles in the, in the film. Matthew now being the emotional core, like who, and the mentor, who guides the people, as, as Wush and Swebian has mentioned in chat, like, you know, he is essentially role reversal where he's yeah. now providing guidance to the people who guided him before. And it, it really can work like that in real mm-hmm. life as well. Like, that's again, it feels very authentic, you know. We're blind to our own faults, our own failings. We're blind to the situations we're in. Uh, and you need an outside perspective. And so it just now happens to be his turn to offer that to someone who previously was looking in on him. Totally. Um, and to, but to direct, directly answer the question as you did, like I, I loved the scenes. I thought they were great, very cute. Um, I, you know, I like seeing them together. Um, I think that they make a great couple. And but but I do agree that uh, you know they were appropriately like we got appropriately sized doses of them for what this movie was meant to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, next question comes from uh, Gogo Site Robot. Uh, there is actually a corollary question from Kate Rose again, uh, so I'll mention both of them because they're arguably similar, if not the same. Uh, why is the meaning of Haruki cutting his hair? Da-da-da. And um, Kate, Kate asks, what was the meaning of his long hair in the first place? And why did Akiko seem to think it was a symbol of Haruki's love for him? So, okay. Um, I think this ties into my discussion of what happened in the consent no, sorry the non-consensual scene and what happened afterwards which is haruki has been violated yeah in many ways and i think that if that as uh, kate says was a symbol for haruki's love for him uh well having been because he touches it and it's interesting then of course that we have the moment where he's trying to give him oral uh but now you know there's something that's arguably more actually emotionally intimate than the physical intimate you know yeah exactly so I think it plays a part in him, like, you know, going through these behaviors. He might not even consciously think it out where he has to cleanse himself, if you want to sure, call it that. Sure. I don't know. It's um, a turning point. You know, because he has been violated. Yeah, I think it's a turning yeah. point because he he felt he felt violated, and then he also felt... We didn't touch on this part of, the, of that scene, but he also felt um, rejected by him. And so he thought, well, we're done now. You know, because that and that specific line exchange was, I think, you know, why, why, Aki, are you making this face? What, why are you hurting? What's, what's the matter? You're in pain. And, and you know, Aki Hiko says, uh, it wouldn't make any difference if I told you. And that was like mm-hmm. just seen by Haruki as this total repudiation of his offer of emotional intimacy. And so that, well, this part of my life is over now. And also, like the, there was that the part you mentioned of being maybe kind of tainted for him uh, as like, oh, this is something Akiko loved to to fondle and create physical intimacy between us, and he's to go away, goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Um, as for um, what, whether or not like Ak- like you know Akiko follows a symbol of love or not, for me, I think that. Whether or not that's strictly true or not, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, like, I think Akiko has long had Haruki's... In fact, like he's been sitting on the knowledge that Haruki has been in love with him for a very long time. 
Um, which I think, you know, one would may, argue, may ask, well, why didn't he do anything about that before he couldn't? But then again, you know, sometimes you may have to say on that, you know. What um, a good point in chat. But, <laughs> like, it's a really good point being made. Like, uh, Lucy, you know, says, like, that, um, you know, it could be sort of a customary traditional thing um, when you have lost mm-hmm. or heartbreak in Japan to cut or shave your hair. And then Gogo says it's a way of taking control of your life back. Oh, my God. I mean, this is why we do things like dye our hair colors in quarantine yeah. <laughs> so that we can take control of, like, the li- the yeah. ever-decreasing scope of control that we have in our lives. Yeah. It's it's arguably performative, but it is still, like, you, you have a... It's an exercise of your agency. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's a very targeted message that he go like, you know, this is a thing you point out and pay particular attention to, and it is gone now. In a way that you maybe could argue, like, make, try and make you feel guilty about it. You know? Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that it is all of those things. It is, as has been said, like, it's a way of taking control by a way of cleansing, because he has been violated, you know, um, and also, <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, I think Lucy's just mentioned in chat as well, like you cut away the memories of a person. Like there's, there's a lot of things behind it, but they all tie things to the mm-hmm. same thing, which is uh, cleansing and control, really. Yes. You know. Yeah, very important scene. I'm glad that uh, it was brought up. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to bring it up, but I felt like I had to, because I, I knew this question was coming, I held off from our previous discussion until it came round. Um, okay. Uh, got a couple more questions from uh, Kate, uh, which is was there a particular scene you liked best and worst? Well. The worst one for me, I think, the fir- the worst one I think for me, and this is only a very mild one, was the one I mentioned before where we cut to the more comedic like aftermath, hmm. which I felt was not totally appropriate. Um, But again, it's minor. It wasn't overly exaggerated comedy. It just like, you know, with him, like, you know, looking again, like he's just tried to solve a really hard math problem. He's a bit frazzled. Uh, and like, no, it's, it's like it i don't know it just the emotion intensity didn't feel like it was carried through uh my favorite scene though um and i think it was pretty much gonna have to be the end confession scene uh, you know when the sound the bench for a couple of reasons um so here's the thing about akiko right like i mentioned in when we discussed it in, in the show that he himself like exists in that kind of how should we say like uh because I remember pointing at time like that he exists as a character who is great to have here right now uh, but ultimately would become obsolete for people and what do I mean by that like because he's confident in who he is he's confident in his sexuality he's confident in his appearance um, and he exists in a perfect place to help Renny Yama along with that scene I mentioned where he's having you know the drink uh, you know he's a big tough guy he's he's muscly you know he's boy is an anime character that kind yeah. of thing yeah <laughs> you know he he's he's doing he's he looks like he's in control and doing everything he wants and he's loving life. Uh, of course, not true. Um, and what I will never forget is that um, I remember that Emily Ram brought this up in a, one of her articles on Given is that she said that uh, Given places particular emphasis on hands and the show, even the film caps off because there's a moment where you see Akiko's hands shaking. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's actually shaking as he confesses, uh, you know, and says like, hey, please go at me like you know and they have this deeply emotional and intimate moment where they hug and again it's not based around physicality they don't even kiss it is just a bonding between two people two wounded souls who otherwise feel really deeply for each other along with the you know the blooming set like sacra petals coming off and all that you know 
Um, it felt like such a unique point in time for these characters. It it was really, really memorable. And I think it really goes to show again, like, you know, that even someone who looks as tough as Akiko, like, he still is an emotionally vulnerable man, you know, with an actual heart and soul. And the fact that he was shaking, like, really, really, like, it's rare that you get to see, like, body language emphasized like that. And it really stuck out to me. Um, but also, it's just a triumphant moment. You know, they've still probably got stuff to work through and all that, but this also ties into this show being, uh, well, there were, of course, the seasons, you know, that's what the band was called. Mm -hmm. And Haruki makes explicit mention that, you know, we went through fall, then winter, the darkest, coldest moment of, you know, their relationship, Mm -hmm. and then spring. That's where they are now. But spring is just the beginning. Yes. New life, new things. New new life, yeah. Uh, And it... I, and as much as I said, like, you know, that um, there are times when um, I'm okay with, like, having a walk off into the sunset, this was one of, such, one of those such moments where they've overcome their trials. They're ready to begin building, you know? Yeah. And I'm I'm totally cool with imagining after the fact. Yeah. So, no, I think the ending was absolutely superb. Even just the direction of it, like, where, you know, um, he says, um, you know, please go out with me and all that. And then he agrees and then we cut to credits and then we come back for the post credit scene and i'm like yeah like that's the moment you're like yes and then you get to process you yeah, feel yeah. very good about yourself and you get like the you get the uh after you get like the after credits so moment good. just to see things off it's great it it understands that there's a difference between like because i think that conclu- you want to call it like, there's two conclusions like it's a conclusion on a really high emotional moment but also concludes on just a good storytelling mode where you feel the endless possibility that's ahead for both of them. So yeah, the ending absolutely is my favorite scene of the entire film. I think for me, and your mileage, of course, is going to vary on this, read the ending. Um, and I'll talk about my favorite and least favorite scenes in a second, but you just brought up so much stuff after this. It, it walks this really fine line, Aki's arc in this movie, like, because... Yeah, I mean, he really fucks up and violates uh, his 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 future partner. Um, mm-hmm. And the movie, though, says is is very like adamant about this is bad, this is wrong, you fucked up. He gets these consequences, and he has to kind of earn his way back. Uh, and and not in a fucking cheap way just to to get in Haruki's pants or whatever, but like he changes as a person because he realizes mm-hmm. how far he's fallen and how messed up his life is and how he doesn't really like who he is. He started hating music, all these things. And like, I mean, it's just this really great like sort of st- story arc of uh, someone who has made this mistake, but like is not written off. He's deeply repentant about it. That's, exactly. That's a key thing Exactly. As well. He's very remorseful. I mean, at the end, he asks permission to touch Haruki before he hugs him. Like, because he, yeah. you know, he just is so, like, mindful of, of how... He's guarded. How, he kind of looks yeah, straight. how much he crossed a boundary and how painful and hurtful that was. So, like, it's just, it's really good to see, like, you know, this, like, I think really empathetic look at a person who has really fucked up in this specific way, really repent and get a second chance and make things better and make things right. Because 
I've mentioned this before, but like in a lot of old manga and old American television stuff too, like there is this trope of of women falling in love with their rapist. And this is not this is not that. This is a much more kind of delicate the, operation. There is a there is a time and place for that depending on how you frame it. If it is ex- for example explicitly framed as a tragedy, yeah. That's I I'm not saying the act itself is fine, but the narrative is then fine for its purpose if you want to call it that. But otherwise, I do agree with you that there are way too many times when... No, you know... Yeah. I can can change him. Yes. Or like... He's he's really a gentle soul at heart. Yeah. Or like, you know, now that they've done the deed, like, oh, I'm attracted to you. No, I can't can't quit you now. Now you own me. And it's like, oh, God. Ugh. Even Even though people are telling her, like, you know, the only thing he hasn't violated is the Geneva Convention. And that's just because he hasn't got around to it yet. Oh, my fuck, man. So... Like just a bad, it it became a trope. That's how much I felt it it happened. I'm from Shield Hero. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, but this <laughs> this just wasn't that. I I thought, boy, and and saying it out loud, kind of the thing that happens in in bullet points. If you just said that, like, here's what we're going to try to achieve. We're going to try to redeem someone who sexually assaults their partner about a third of the way into the movie. I'd be like. I don't know, boys. You might want to try something else. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, shit. Right. Time to start getting out the maker's uh, mark. um, It's going to be a rough one. (laughs) I don't know. Can we we call an audible here in the script? (laughs) Can we do something different? But they they really did, I think, manage it in a a pretty, uh, like, in in a way that, like, it just, it felt, it felt earned and it felt like it didn't minimize what Aki did to Haruki and it, yes. it like val- it validated um, the pain and it it acknowledged that like penance and sacrifice on Aki's part had to be undergone to like earn the trust back of that person yeah I, I will add one thing though that I feel we should mention here which is uh, you of course brought up the infamous acronym of YMV your mileage may vary yeah, yeah um, big time now I think I think I, I think you and I are a lockstep in this one, and that we agree that okay, look, he fucks up, uh, he knows he fucks up, um, and you know he can be redeemed. In fact, he might, whether or not you believe he has redeemed himself by the end is up, up for debate. Uh, but I'm not going to presume. Therefore, I think it's important for us to say um, on on your behalf as well, Doc. Like, if you feel differently, that you feel like there is that that was a line too far, and like oh, yeah. Haruki is making a mistake, then you are absolutely in your right oh, yeah. to feel that way. Um, this is merely our opinions and not like an objective statement no. of fact that we feel it's perfectly kosher that the the material like covers this. Yeah. This is not um, some blueprint for how to do how to do life or No. You know, no, um, no, no. Yeah. I mean I, I remember I remember one of the great insights that Anthony Grulia gave me when we were talking about given with him was he said that just because it works for these specific characters does not mean it works in general for like how they, you know, for Uenayama coming out yeah. and you know going through the process of like coming to terms with his own sexuality and i think yeah, that principle applies equally here where from a narrative perspective i am entirely okay with what happens i think it's a very very strong like emotional arc for both mm-hmm. of them uh, i think it's very authentic from what i know of, of like how people were reacting in that situation like haruki for example um 
but that does not mean, of course, the, I mean, this is why we put the content warning up the start. Yeah. We didn't put it up there, you know, because we thought, you know, oh, everyone will agree with us, it's fine, but we'll just put it up there. And no, people will may very well not agree with us on the show and may think, no, it's a bridge too far. Yeah, they need to, I mean, there are people that will need to know because this, they just shouldn't see this um, or they don't want yeah. to see it. Um, and and that's perfectly fine. And if they did see it, it would ruin the show. And I get yeah. it. And, I get it. And, yeah absolutely and if that is your opinion that you feel it is too much like that Haruki should never have even like looked in twice after that fax you know or should have hit him with a brick whatever you want to whatever your feeling is on that uh that is valid mm-hmm. it's not for me to say otherwise 100 percent. thought we should put that out there because it's important to just be clear on yes. that but we don't because i always feel i always feel nervous talking about this stuff fully because i don't want to ever come across as like condoning the acts themselves no. in terms of like my if ever i condone like such a thing is because it is a storytelling device and I feel it is appropriately used given what the show or the material is trying to accomplish. Never the axe itself. It's always going to be reprehensible. No matter what bullshits like, you know, some anime tries to pull off. A hundred percent. Could not agree anyway. more. So uh, really quickly, so my um, least yeah, best and worst. least favorite is is uh the violation uh in question. Um oh, easily, for me, easily. Um best is just to pick a different scene from the you i i will just say the concert um uh that's a really yeah, long scene great. but like yeah i mean it was um i'm glad they put it toward the back end of the movie i mean they're just it's such a brilliant scene I, the way they like work up to it and get you once again even if you've been away mm-hmm. from the show for over a year you like you get allowed to invest in the characters again in their drama and their relationships and then you have the song and then as a song is playing you sort of slowly realize like the meaning of the song and who uh mafuyu is trying to reach and you see it touch um aki and then you mm-hmm. see it uh touch um ugetsu and you see ugetsu being the inspiration for it and you're like oh my god this is all coming together like it's it's brilliant brilliantly done and it was a great song super catchy and uh yeah that was uh that was my favorite I, I will, uh, I'm going to add two points to that. When I say least favorite, I meant my least favorite in terms of how it was executed. If you want to talk about least favorite in terms of how it made me feel, I am in absolute agreement with you. That scene um, where Haruki's, you know, sexually assaulted was thoroughly unpleasant. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, like I put it, I'm not saying that what followed was, you know, worse because it was more. No, no, no. no. I, I, I mean, say what, what, it was, what I meant was worse. Executed. It's sort of a cop out on my um, part in some ways to, to nominate no, that it's, scene. It's a, it's a valid I just can't think of another one. It doesn't make him bad. Yeah, I just can't think of another one that I that I super did not like in terms of the way it was executed. So I should have watched the movie twice. Yeah. Um I, I will also add, by the way, I really appreciate in the concert that on those long shots, very briefly, just briefly, uh, you know, the band started their VTuber careers because they turned to 3D models. <laughs> For just some uh, like the overhead camera, like looking down at, at Aki Dr- Yeah, yeah. It's the the CG was uh, and, and- the cg look right here's the thing (laughs) here's the thing here's the thing we we saw the first episode of exxon this year yep we did see that just as a thing we saw just uncorking that just uncorking that preserve you know and all the smell and whiff that yeah exactly um and look right i i only bring it up because i found it funny and not because i'm actually going to criticize the film for it in the slightest um, because for one, there is of course objectively far worse that's on for far longer. Um, and two, you know what? Like it, 
if you it, it can work as a substitute for having to animate otherwise complex performances i'm fine with it and really you know you're not actually i would argue there for the visuals so much as you are for the emotional undercurrent yeah. You, of course, need to have them play. You can't just have them, like, wheel out a jukebox or, dare I say, pull a cop out where they're listening to a tape after the facts um, or looking at the That'd YouTube video. That'd be amazing. And then Aki goes to say, like, man, I had I had an emotionally intense experience with I probably shouldn't erase it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the CGI was a bit stiff, but I, it was there briefly, so whatever. I just thought I'd bring it up because I felt it'd be funny. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was um, fine. I, I like it ta- was fine. I like taking the occasional pot yeah. shot. Um, okay, next question from Kate. Would you have preferred this second arc be another season over this movie? Why or why not? Um, well, since we've seen the movie, uh, I think it's the perfect length. Yeah, I think so. I think some folks in chat were saying that there was stuff between Mafuyu and Uenoyama that had to get cut out in favor of emphasizing uh, the A plot in this one. And this is where I think. Like, I think, uh, you know, this was a really good adaptation. I think that was smart to do and, and trying to cram everything into a 60 minute, you know, feature would have been super bad. So I think that they exercised discretion in the right ways here, made good, good judgment calls. So yeah. just because, yeah, I mean, so there was stuff we didn't get, but I don't, it's hard to say. Cause I really, really liked this movie. I liked the tighter focus and the shorter runtime. And like, I felt like we, we it just told a tighter story and got to the point and i'm always in favor of that uh yeah yeah you, you know my my comparison for this actually for but you'll you'll know this talk firsthand is um the promise neverland oh boy uh because of course season two season two has uh garnered not a small amount of controversy for cutting that's whole slaves yeah yeah um but here's the thing, right? I have not read the given manga. I have not read the Promised Neverland manga. So I can only go off my reactions to the comparisons to the first seasons. And the thing is, even not knowing anything about the manga, I think Promised Neverland season two thus far has been nothing more than... Does right. it feel to you like Which, um, compared- One Punch Man season two? Like minus the drop oh, in God, animation that, quality, that, like the sort of like that- meh reaction, you know? <laughs> Yes, but not as bad. Okay, okay. So that uh, was worse. because I think okay. there, I think I, I I think I think there are times when One Punch Man season two actively betrays its own premise, but that's a discussion for a different day. Um, but anyway, um, but like, even though I've of course not read the personal element, like I've you know five episodes in, all I can think to myself is this is all mm-hmm. right, and. That is in comparison to how I felt about The Promised Neverland Season 1. And would you know it, I think a plucky young uh, you know, YouTube channel covering anime has discussed that at great length. No, of course, it was me, it was you, it was Valerie. Uh, we had Emily on for a bit as well. Uh, and I thoroughly loved The Promised Neverland Season 1. It was so good! It was, just an am- it, was, it was an amazingly atmospheric, tense, powerful, like, you know, escape plan. Like, it was... It was the great escape in anime form with a lot more going on for it and a lot of great direction. And season two thus far has just been meandering like nonsense. Like someone's been flying a kite around and decided to cut it loose. Like, okay, cool. Man, now and the, the comic does not feel that way. It's such a shame. I mean, I... No, that... that I'm only going yeah, off of, that, by the way, that's, what I hear people... I, have, I haven't watched Beyond Episode 1 yet because I'm... I am still actually doing, <laughs> despite me being super busy and not being able to record much of it yet. I'm still doing those reaction uh, episodes uh, on an episode to episode basis. 
but I hear, yeah, I just hear people just crushing it, saying it's it's making all the wrong decisions and, and really failing. And and what you've just said, that it feels so sort of directionless, like, man, the manga just, it did not feel that way. Like, it still had that sense of propulsion that uh, the first yeah. arc had. It didn't lose that energy, and that's just such a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why am I bringing up The Promise of Orlando? Because, again, I've not read the manga, but I can have a direct comparison between seasons. And similarly here with the given movie, I can compare how I feel between the movie and how I feel about the show, even though I've not read any of the manga. And my feeling is broadly the same. I really liked the actual show. I really like the movie. Um, So, yeah, like in terms of what's been cut out, if it was so, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to see Maureen Yama and Matthew, but if they were limited to doing the movie format, then I think it's very efficient. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's much, if anything, wasted in it. You know, um, it fills its time so admirably. And insofar as doing a movie, we've got to also remember that it's not just the structural element of how long a show goes on for, but also what they can actually show, which is key. Um, and I think that it might have actually, as much as I found that scene unpleasant, mm. uh, you know, the you know the viola- Haruki's violation scene, um, I think that it would have been a disservice to underplay that on a TV broadcast format where they would have probably had to be much more conservative with what they showed. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, so in that, in that case, both in terms of structure and, you know, the ability to, you know, be a bit more, you know, how do we put this explicit in the content? I think the movie was the right choice. Racy. Uh, <laughs> it's probably not the right word Just, this is not no, there was no uh, uh, this is not for, not for well, titillation no, you're, you're, at least not the scene that we're thinking you're, of. you're 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 referring to uh you know when you when you say that no you're really just thinking more about you know the moment that akiko like you know he's he's helping uh you know that lady learn a wind instrument <laughs> the, the one for the hits or the buys yes um <laughs> for sure uh no 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 um now I've been thrown off track. I was going to say something, and I don't remember what I was going to say. But this movie was super good. The show was super good, and they both feel like a you know a single tapestry, and that's great. <laughs> so now we can move on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Yuki, by the way, has mentioned in chat that Redo of a Healer is airing on TV in Japan. Uh, I have no response or retort for that other than why. Man, who knows what they're blurring uh, but, or what they're like just putting a giant shadow over. Yeah. You know, a la... Is it on... SO- the, uh, with the, with the, what was the show we just watched? The Danganronpa Heist. Uh, uh, Akudama Drive, where oh, they yeah. had to just put yeah. giant black blobs over stuff. Yeah, maybe 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 it's on SON, the Sex Offenders Network, because that's the only thing I can think that yeah, show's made for. What a piece for. of shit! Let's not talk about that show. Yeah, yeah, let's not. Anyway, uh, the final question from Kate: Why do you think Matthew has a habit of gut punching Haraki with his blunt questions, comments, referencing the anime scene where they talk about what to do when suddenly the person you love dies, and again Matthew says to Haraki at the competition space that he's in love with Akiko. Um. I don't think it's... If it is a habit, I don't think it's one he's consciously aware of. I think that that sometimes Matthew can just be very direct. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, when we... Yeah, we... um, I feel like there was an episode where we talked about um, 
Mafuyu in relation to possibly being on the autism spectrum and I was like that. I was thinking that, like yeah. um, this is not me saying like he does this because yeah I'm not trying to make any kind of sweeping comparisons but like I don't know may, maybe maybe there's um, maybe there's something going on there yeah he is very direct and sort of the kind of language games that we play in terms of like social niceties and and uh small talk and uh kind of politely asking difficult questions uh, and i'm just thinking about what we do in you and i's society and culture like there's extra levels of politeness uh and formality in mm. japan you know you can come and talk to me if there's you know you can come and talk to me if you've got a problem and then we'll be like yeah i will and i'll have a problem i ain't talking about it that's that's your polite way of offering your help but at the same time <laughs> as saying i'm not going to pry and see your business you probably have a very good idea of what's wrong but yeah but he um, just cuts cuts to i will it. say <laughs> yeah i i will say though like i think that i also need to be clear on the fact that um i think that matthew does have active agency and does like take the issue because he of course goes and sees Ugetsu specifically for the reason of seeing him. Um so yeah, um for me, um for me I think that, you know, he <clears throat> sorry I'm getting tongue side here. Are um, you thinking about how many cry- times that- you cried when you watched the movie, as has been asked in chat? Oh god, uh, uh a lot, a lot of water was consumed. I need to rehydrate. <laughs> Def, definitely, the, the I was feeling a little misty by the end, for sure, because we got yeah. the the sunset ending for the other couple when the previous one got the sunset mm. ending in the TV show. Yeah, I, I, I don't tend to cry a lot. Anime to be quiet because I'm dead inside. I was just going to say uh, that. that's that is, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, my doc, my docs has said like you know eventually it'll uh, resolve itself. By just me just being dead on the outside as well. There is no medical cure for it. Um, but no. Um, anyway, I I think it's just a continuation of his directness. But I think that he's, in some sense, trying to now make more direct, like actual use of it. Like you know, where he realizes that his bluntness can actually be um, a good thing. Um. So yeah, uh, my basic answer is just that um, I think that's a. Like, part of his character we've always known but now he's actually you know using it to his advantage a little bit um yeah yeah no i agree i agree um nothing more to add cool right then uh that brings us to the end of our patron question so thank you very much to everyone who's participated that's um that was quite a lot to Ooh. cover but um it's also covered a lot of our talking points which is great i'm glad that we got to go through that all uh particularly the um, uh stuff involving <clears throat> Of course, that particular scene because it needed to be discussed. Um, so, as for talking points, um, the one thing I want to bring up firstly is I want to talk about uh, color um, use in Ugetsu's apartment. Mm. Um, because, by the way, one small note: it was pointed out that uh, the walls of Ugetsu's apartment are actually soundproofed. Yes. And do you want to why? I th- do you want to why I think that's a really, really genius addition? And it's not anything to do with the practicality of it. But bear in mind that Akiko and Ugetsu have coveted each other to the point where they won't, you know... Um, Keep it down. They're like, they go see... They, they, they go... Well, <laughs> there's that. But they go they go see other people, uh, you know. But they keep coming back to each other. Uh, and they connect it over their music. And as much as there is, of course, an element of public performance, I think that it really is that 
you know, when they perform together, it's very much so private, like so, you know, we keep each other for ourselves kind mm-hmm. of thing that they'll even go as far as soundproofing the apartment. It keep, you know, <clears throat> that that being underground out of sight element of it yeah, as well. Also, I was going to add that too. The, like no yeah. sunlight yeah, it's, and uh, cut yeah, off no from the rest of the world, like their own. Yes. Like yeah. in a way that was stifling both of them. Yeah. This is our private space for us alone. This is our shelter. You know, uh, you, we only belong to each other with that closely knit to the point where it's poisonous to each other. Um, and all of the, as all the aspects of the apartment gel with that but then of course color so the color in the apartment is muted gray miserable nonsense Just everything's steel it's <laughs> yeah i mean i i joked in the podcast series that we did there was like something out of half-life 2 <laughs> that's right uh, which <laughs> which it still stands <laughs> it's still true um but i want to know the only time sunlight ever actually comes into the apartment is when matthew turns up at the end right yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He li- he he literally comes in and suddenly the place is brightened up, uh, which I think is a great visual for, um, firstly Matthew's role in the film, uh, but also like you know the fact that it illuminates like it gets his mind and like gets him thinking like about what's been going on. Um, it goes to show like that the drabness and the you know dreariness was never like you know uh, an unavoidable environmental fact but rather a state that both Getsu and Akiko imposed on themselves. Yeah, yeah they well. were both kind of running um, away from like their own feelings and things that they wanted to do and problems they were having. And so, yeah, they, they were like, just trying to cut themselves off from even their own hearts in some ways down in the that steel dungeon. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And the final thing I mentioned is that is, of course, in direct contrast to... Um, Haruki's apartment when Akiko stays over because of course we have things like you know there's air breathing there's air coming in it's very sunny and bright fireworks you know? <clears throat> fireworks yeah. even <clears throat> uh, by the way I really like the visual direction of that one shot where it's a close up of both their arms like as they're leaning on the balcony like it really like it's not a great big space between them physically but the way it's shot to give that close up to them where the entirety of the frame is mostly the yawning gap between their elbows, like really emphasizes the distance that still remains mm-hmm. between them. So that was great. I yeah, really like sure. that. Um, um, but yeah, like Haruki's apartment is bright and colorful. Um, and it does, that does not change when Akiko actually does come and stay there properly, mm-hmm. which again, just reinforces my theory that, you know, the colorlessness, the drabness, the, the dourness of their environment back at his apartment, who gets who's that is, is entirely a um, self-inflicted thing. One final observation I will make um, is that I like that they kept something, like they mentioned like in the show about like coffee and all that. And that is something that still happens in the actual um, anime, uh, sorry, in the film, where coffee is like a ritual for them. But it's a thing that goes to show that even though they are, of course, a deeply fragmented and troubled couple if they are even a couple they still have those little rituals the little things that couples do for each other that's still there yeah it's true it's true and i love that and and i mean i i mean akiko's got the big spoon in his the and of course who gets he's got the little spoon <laughs> yes sorry I <laughs> jesus um so i want to talk about a scene that lucy mentioned uh a bit earlier in chat and that is um, 
when uh, Aki runs after Ugetsu and breaks up with him. Um, and then I guess a little bit of like when they were talking earlier in the apartment, just sort of the breakup in general. I mean, how did you feel about all that? I mean, I know that like, I mean, there were emotional scenes for sure. There was definitely a part of me that felt like if I watch this in a certain mood or maybe at a certain time in my life, I'd be so pissed at Ogetsu. I'm like, you're just being so fucking unfair, man. Like you broke up with him, right? You dumped him. And now that he's Mm -hmm. like saying, I'm not going to like come back to your apartment for sex. (laughs) Like every so often you're like, no, <laughs> like you can't give up the violin. Well, <laughs> I'm like, you unfair motherfucker. But like, it, so I didn't feel that because I mean, again, I was just in this place watching it where I just felt so um, bad for how twisted up Ugetsu was and just how much he needed a fresh start um, in, yeah. in his life. And, uh, just some kind of like a new day to dawn, you know, and, and a new sun to rise and, and to set some new goals. And just that, like, you know, I felt so bad that his relationship had become so toxic. Like I, cause that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's gotta be an awful feeling. I've never experienced that. Like a, a genuine, like uh, romantic love going sour and becoming destructive and toxic. Like it's got to be, I've seen uh, it in friends of mine, just, unfortunately. And it's it's awful. terrible because you're like pulled together but pushed apart at the same time, like the pl- like the planets yeah. you mentioned, and coming back together hurts. Pulling apart hurts, and and he's really in some ways grieving because his heart is broken, um, mm-hmm. and that those two emotions can be pretty similar, right? I mean, because you're you are yeah. losing someone, and and he confessed to Mafia, you, you know, so I'm afraid of losing part of myself when he moves out of here. Like that was, it was just such a big part of my life and part of who I am. And, you know, I hope the music still remains and lasts, um, I think is what he said, but yeah, just, just all that stuff I thought was really, really poignant, you know, well delivered. Um, and it didn't, it could have gone in a way that was very simple and clean breaky, but I wouldn't have yeah. felt good. I liked that it took a couple of tries. I like that, you know, I felt like Akihiko wouldn't let go of his hand for a moment and then wouldn't let go of Ugetsu's hand because he's just wanting to like communicate through his own body. Like, I wanted you to know how I feel. Like, I still appreciate and love the time we had together. It was so special to me, but. I also feel like we have to move on and it's not like, I don't hate you, you know, but we can't do that. Like all those really complicated feelings trying to like almost magically kind of port them through touch, but then Ogetsu yeah. pulling away. Cause he has to pull away. Cause he, I think ultimately feels similarly and they just kind of, in some ways yeah. don't understand each other um, at certain points in the movie. But, but I loved those. So what did you think of this aspect of the movie? Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good send off. Like, I think the hand holding thing as well also might just be because, for all that you know, they obviously were toxic with, with each other. I think there's still a core element that was worthwhile. I, I mean, I know it f- from personal experience as well, from having read about it. That if you've gone through a bad relationship, once you leave that, you retroactively your memories will be like, no, it was all crap. Mm. 
was all crap. All of it. All of it was shit. She, she him, her, whatever, was always a dickhead. Uh, but no, that misses the uh, the truth of it, which is that it's a complicated mess of stuff where ultimately the bad did outweigh the good. That's why you're ending it. Um, but I think, you know, the hand-holding thing is like maybe also could have been Akiko's like final, just one last time. I know this is definitely it, but I know there were things that were good about this. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think I would like to give that for myself and also for Ugetsu, you know, like, because, you know, it could have been that he never even went to see him at all. Um, mm. But I think a complicated and messy as that was, like, I think having an honest, like, farewell of each other, as painful as it was, was the best way for it to be. They ghost each other. You know? Thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. One other thing I want to know, by the way, um, there is, of course, the scene when Akiko comes back and he says he's leaving. Um, and it gets to like literally pins him down and says right. no. And again, this this was filmed or rather shot and directed in a very similar way to the scene in which, of course, Akiko like you know violates Haruki's right. consent. Um, you've got things like Dutch angle happening at one bit where you've got this like look at them as the pin he's pinned against the bed, and you don't even see like Ogetsu's face, but it's still Dutch angle. It's very off kilter. Uh, you know the spilled coffee and all that, like almost like it's some kind of violence going on. Um, the very like strong close up of Ugetsu's eye, and it's worth remembering again that Ugetsu, like in between him and Akiko, like he is the physically weaker of the two, mm-hmm. like. Because let's not forget, like, a big part of, like, intimidation in relationships can often be a physical one, where you are intimidated by the physical stature or presence of your partner. That's often how domestic abuse, like, comes about. Like, it can not even be because you get physically hit. It could just be that you find them intimidating in the room. And yet, and by the way, this is not me, like, saying that, you know, uh, that Akiko was doing that to him. Uh, not all. But rather, I mean to say, like, you know, that in, they can also happen in reverse. And here, like, you see, like, Ugetsu pin him down, like, holy crap. Like, you know, it. you wouldn't have thought that he would have done that to Akiko, given his, like, literally, you know, a good god of foot on him and all that. But still, um, there's, a, there's a powerful intensity to that yeah. moment. It's really off kilter. It, it's really good. And, yeah, I think that's why I like such the, yeah, the, the primal utterances coming out of the mouth of Ugetsu, you know, just make me, yeah. make me, um, um, make me feel like, you can't have this guy. <laughs> you had your chance. Like, stop trying to lay claim over him. Um, uh, Wu Shan has just pointed out in chat something that I've admittedly slipped my mind, but it's worth remembering, which is Ugetsu actually did strike Akiko twice during the film's runtime. Oh, yeah. They don't show it, do they? He just shows up. Uh... No, they do. They do. There, there's one in flashback, and I think one of them happens uh, yeah, off screen, okay. but there is at least one of them in flashback. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He do. So bad bad job out of you, buddy. Um Bad bad job, Ugetsu. Brave guy. <laughs> yeah. Brave guy. Yes. Aki looks like, yeah, he could just no, no, snap no, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm making light yeah. of it, but yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I'm in agreement. I, I think it really, really works quite well. Um, and I think it's only fair that, like, you know, if there, if, like, the problem is a lack of emotional maturity for Aki, he would like to the capstones the relationship with Ugetsu with a moment of emotional maturity, the goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I have one final talking point to make, um, and I want to talk about the repeated motif of uh, basically role reversals of characters watching someone else perform. Because we start Mm -hmm. the movie with uh, Akiko and Haruki watching Ugetsu perform. We end the movie with Ugetsu watching Akiko and Haruki perform. 
Uh, and of course, also we see uh, no. In fact, it was Matthew, yeah. wasn't it? Sorry, yeah. it wasn't Haraki in the first one. That's Sorry, okay. my, my mistake. But then, of course, we we see uh, Matthew and Haraki watching, um, you know, Akiko perform, um, and it's. I think it works really well because it goes to show, like you know, that sometimes there is a deliberate distance between people that is intentional. Uh, and it also plays into the idea of seeing different sides. I think this is something we said about Rainy Armour and uh, Matthew in the first season as well. Oh, sorry, if I say first season, in the actual sure. show. Um, um, where, you know, there is obviously a very different side than they must present when they're performing. Um, but it's still a dialogue, you know? Um, like, Ugetsu, for example, presents himself as a very refined, you know... Um, like performer when he's on stage doing the violin, like he was part of a proper orchestra. But then of course we see him for who he really is off stage. Um, and then, you know, we get to see like at the end, Akiko performing the violin, something that he didn't really want to do because he's rebelling. But now we get to see a more truer side to himself in this public performance. And funnily enough, um, and, you know, we get to see the band perform together. And there was, of course, a lot of discussion running up to that point that they weren't in sync because they weren't, you know, really, like, on the level mm-hmm. emotionally, particularly Haraki and mm-hmm. Akiko. And that, of course, was true in the show proper as well with Matthew and what they discussed about him not quite being there. Like, he wasn't Race Gay's true voice out and all that. And that, of course, is something else here. Because, again, music is communication in the show. We actually made a joke about that. We made just a communication, wing joke, Just communication, just wild remember. beat. <laughs> yes. Yes. We did. Bang. We did. <laughs> why is there that gunshot? I never <laughs> will understand why there's the gunshot in it. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. It's great. Re- recorded it. Recorded by Cowboys. Anyway. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I really like that repeated motif there and the way it's inverted and what it means. That we start at a point where the only communication that ever really happens between Ugetsu and Akiko is in the performance and never in private. Uh, but then, of course, at the end of the film, when he's playing, you know, he's playing honestly, you know, with the instrument of his choice, now that he has also been honest with Haruki and everyone else. It's, it's really good. It's so good. It's so good. And man, we get to her in, and, you know, through Mafuyu. Uh, playing in the concert, right? We get to return to the the theme of, uh, you know, being an inspired artist. And like I was saying earlier, like being nervous, not because you think you will like flub or make an error, like in and of itself that you won't be perfect uh, in terms of like, you know, I don't know, just like following some rote routine, but, but that you'll mess up and that you won't fully communicate because you think what you got to communicate so, important like at the end when after they watch a getsu perform and mafia's like dude we gotta go i gotta write music now <laughs> like that was so <laughs> cool like i i love seeing people like experience that like have the light bulb moment right well and like i must create he, exactly just like when cheryl gnome wrote on a giant pair of panties it's exactly like that. <laughs> That's a one-to-one comparison. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, a question I wanted to ask you related to some degree to some of the scenes you were just talking about. So both Aki and Ugetsu talk about how the other one changes their relationship to music. 
And I wanted to pick your brain and be like, what do you think is going on there? And like, why, why that happens? Cause like, just to lay it out for everybody, like Aki, you know, was playing the violin and then he meets Ugetsu and is like, oh fuck, uh, fuck this. <laughs> like, uh, this dude is a genius and I, I hate it and I hate him. I'm going to switch to the drums cause it's easier. And then, but while they're together, Ugetsu similarly, you know, I think in, in, I don't remember if he's telling this to someone else or just thinking it, but in the movie he says like, he doesn't feel that freedom in his music. Like it's, um, I guess sort of stifling, but he specifically says he doesn't. Well, feel he, he li- well, he lives like yes. a prisoner. <laughs> exactly. So when they're, when they're together. Uh, so like what, what do you think is going on there and, and why? Well, I think, again, it just ties into the idea of music being communication or a metaphor thereof. I mean, there's, there's actually something we've not touched on, which is um, Haruki saying that he's going to do support for a oh, band. Right. And the way, that, the way that a number of the conversations go between Haruki and Akiko when that comes up, it almost seems like Akiko phrases like cheating on <laughs> yeah. him. Like, but, but again, like, you know, the music being communication here, um, I think that for Akiko, like the first time he met Getsu, like I think that was the first time someone truly spoke to him because he's a musically talented person. And again, music being communication, this is where that ties into that. Um, but then, of course, like, you know, they were in harmony with each other playing violin. They were of an accord. Uh, but then, you know, I'm going to move to a different instrument entirely, different kind of instrument. It's percussion, you know, not even a string. Uh, he's going to rebel. That's when they're in discord. Um but yeah, um, I, yeah, I think it just speaks to the fact that you know Akiko like is a very musically talented person, but for him because he is so talented, he can play multiple different instruments. Um, it is related to like the voice he chooses to use and the level of agreement he has. Now, granted, of course, he plays drums in a band, but the band, of course, is like you know the sum of its parts rather than you know compl- like two people playing complementary to communicate with each other kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if that made any sense to be honest. I might be no, rambling. No, no, I, I feel really. But, um, yeah, but I, I think again, it just all really goes back to that core idea of music is how these characters communicate emotionally with each other beyond just simply talking out the face, which is still important, by the way. You know, it's not literally like you know that Akiko meets um, <laughs> that meets a fucking you know. Um, Haruki at the end and just starts playing a <laughs> harmonica to like explain how he feels. The big boom box, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna serenade you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um Yeah, I really liked this. I I have what I think is like a working theory based on what you said. Like it's sort of a metaphor for their their feelings and, and kind of how they want to speak to each other. Um I don't know if it's m- makes total sense of everything but i think i like that like i think i think that i the messiness of this movie not in terms of the plotting or anything like that it's that's very tight i think but the relationships being so messy is something i really like about it but yeah i mean it just i I guess if aki like running away from the fact that there was someone better than him at this thing that he was trying really really hard at and I guess not just that, like, someone was better than him, but, like, being being in close proximity to someone who was, like, that incredible at what you were doing. It'd be like if you, I don't know if yeah. you married Michael Jordan, but you were also a basketball player. And just be like, oh, 
you're the other one. <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's placing fourth, but but Ugetsu is like a world traveler doing it. So it's got to be hard and to some degree stifling to his creativity because he loved music. And I mean, he ends up hating it at one point, but like, I think part of the reason he switches to drums a, it's I guess he felt it was easier to excel, but it's just this different thing where he's not comparing himself all the time to this genius. Well, when you when you speak about comparing, though, don't forget Haruki. Um, one part yeah. is uh, his difficulties in this film is feeling like he doesn't belong exactly. because, of course, Akiko is a multi-talented, like you know, performer, uh, and then he of course compares himself to Ueniyama and Matthew and. This feels so wonderfully authentic. I've been there myself, um, but I, I love the fact that he seems to conflate the fact that the two of them, even if he doesn't recognize it, are in a relationship, you know, where they have an open, like, you know, dialogue with each other emotionally. You know, they're 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 good. They're rock solid. Uh, and he can't have that. And that conflates in his head also with the fact that he can't then, you know, hmm. like, contribute to the band. Because for them two, their contribution is their collaboration with each right, other. Right, that's interesting. Uh, Akiko's, contribution, Akiko's contribution is one of being talented with the drums and just being multi-talented in general. But like, I think there is a time, like you know, when we conflate like our emotional distress over romantic affection, maybe being unrequited, with also being like you know, not having a place in the world. Like, because for some people, rightly or wrongly, their place in the world is by someone's side. You know, so I don't have a place at someone's side. I don't have a place in the band because I'm nowhere near as good. Like these two, these things are not entirely, you know, exclusive from each other. There is a meshing together. And that feels really, really authentic to me. And I feel like I've been there before. Uh, and again, this is why I think this, this whole show and this film is great because it feels like it's written, if not by someone who's actually been through these, these experiences, but someone who really understands like the complexity of human emotion um, and how painful that can be sometimes, but also how joyous it can be as well. Yeah, I mean, this is an excellent point by you, Shadon. And, and I love that the response... Finally! Yeah, you, you crushed yes. it. I love that the response to it is like, you know, hey man, you don't, you don't have to like... This ideal that you've set up in, in your head about what it will be like, you know, to be with someone and then be as good as everyone. Like, we don't need that. We need you how you yes. are now as you are uh and that is what brings the, again the, the true kind of balance to our band and, and the harmony and i love that that's the response and you know the aki gets to do that thing like well of course you were off them. you were looking down the whole time just look at me man just just follow my lead and uh and because in, in, in music yeah like if um it, it's just one of those things, I guess. I, I, being not musically talented at all, I can only assume, right, that in a collaborative mm-hmm. kind of project like that, if if everybody tries to take the lead, it falls apart. Um, mm-hmm. That you need you need yep. play, p- p- people playing these different roles, um, you know, that they are that they're more suited for, and that like just because they're not a certain role doesn't mean like that they. Like it, it, it's because that they are supportive and the places that they're so vital, you know. So like, yeah, that yeah. This shit was so good, and that's a great, great point by you. It's just so many different like aspects of this movie are like way more connected. Like the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, oh my god, like there's yeah. parallels everywhere, dude. <laughs> shit, shit, tight, bro. Shit, really tight. <laughs> like it does feel super tight. Uh, um, 
I, I did love, by the way, that line you mentioned earlier where Akiko says, like, we can't have four geniuses in the band. And I think the first thing the pop says is like, oh, yeah, that's what happened to the, to the Smiths, wasn't it? Although you had, like, a couple of geniuses and a twat. So, you know. But again, I, I, look, Morrissey is a lyrical genius. Don't get me wrong, apart from some of his later work. But make no mistake, the man is a knobhead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, that aside aside... The one final thing I'll mention is something that made me chuckle. I'm getting this on a light, stupid note, as I often want to, which is, uh, this is entirely unintentional, but of course we have the scene, I think, where um, Haruki and Akiko are watching the fireworks, and then it cuts away for a brief moment, then we get Ueniyama and Matthew. Uh, I could be getting scenes out of order. Here, but like you say, well, that was pretty awesome. I'm like, did they just watch the bank? <laughs> I thought, like, because they were looking upwards. I was like, where are they looking at? And they, like, this is the coolest shot effects in worst, you know. I was just like, what the fuck? Did they they see them? I'll have to go back and look at that. That's hilarious. Uh, It made made me laugh. But, yeah, I'm otherwise all done with talking points. That is the end of my contributions uh, and thoughts on the film. Uh, I wrote other notes, but I don't know, man. Um... I think we've pretty much talked about most of the things I wanted to talk about. And I mean, I'll just say again, how brilliant that the whole concert scene was like, it was like, we don't have like the eight or seven or eight episodes of buildup that we get for the TV show. But like in terms of, uh, kind of the scene being effective and, and no, like it, it feels at the same time, um, indulgent but economical because it feels like like really uh i mean they're just playing this pop song it's like this exuberant moment but it's like also well, doing double if, duty if I, all the time yeah go ahead if, if i may if i may mildly disagree though we do have episodes spilks bear in mind this has been peppered a little bit no you're right you're actually from. correct yes yes uh but i i do agree with you though like the ramp ups of this happening is all approach contained in this film like the groundwork was laid we know who we, like, it gets who exists before the film <laughs> even starts you know what i mean and i don't mean i don't mean like he literally just like you know got popped into being like poof like that no i mean like in the story he of course is introduced to us the audience uh but uh he only actually becomes a character uh which is by design in the film like so the ramp up is very much real mm-hmm. in this film but we do have all the groundwork laid beforehand and that is efficient as you say it still still works yeah, and i mean just as it I, goes it's like hitting me in waves, like how beautiful the music is and how it's like specifically about these two people and kind of what Mafuyu feels would be like the best thing for them to do. And it does turn out to be the best thing for them to do. And then you see like Ugetsu spilling his heart out, you know, to Mafuyu. And it's all with the song in the background. Like it's just so great. It's so great. Like, that scene mm. fucking rocked. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, we best sum up then. Yo. We'll get our thoughts out there. All right, so I am going to give... Um, I'm going to give this film... I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5 awkwardly timed text messages during, <laughs> you know, uh, Felatio. <laughs> yeah, I'm using the full word here. Fuck it. Amazing. I went there. If you were gonna, if I were gonna suggest that you were, and I'm not gonna believe like massively repeat my own points. I'm basically gonna just sum up again, which is I really like given the show. I think it was excellent. Um, I think it was well crafted. Um, I think it was 
touching. Uh, I thought it was fun. Like, basically, it was just a, a really solid um, emotional, like, romance story. Like, it worked really well. And that is much the same here. I think that the only additional observations I would add is that the movie format works for the material they're covering here because it allows them to cover the more explicit elements while also keeping it tight and efficient. Um, and it gave me everything that I wanted, like, out of a follow-up film. It didn't feel superfluous. It was perfectly complimentary to the point where, as I say, like, I jokingly said, this is just the two-part episode con- continuation. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to be derisive. I actually mean that to be positive because... It really does feel like I just picked up where I left off and it was so good to be with the lads again, hanging out with them. The only complaints I have are very mild. Uh, I mean, for example, it was confirmed in our chat earlier that it was indeed uh, Ueniyama's sister at the concert, to which I would add, okay, if that was the case in the manga, that's fine. But why is she in the film? Because she contributes yeah. nothing. That is a one scene. I barely even recognize her. It's pointless. I wanted her to... Uh, uh, you could have cut she, that she had to throw a pillow at Ueniyama for it to be complete. You know, otherwise, uh, no. scrap. I can think. I, I can think. I can think of worse things she could have thrown at. Um, thrown at Akiko. <laughs> like he just like looks down, picks it up, and goes clear blue. What's oh, this? Oh, that right. I forgot that she had a thing for him. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. That was quite crude to me. Um, but but yeah, I um I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Um. The only other things I say would were, were wrong with it, though. Uh, that weird tonal shift following the scene where, of course, Haruki sees his friend uh, Taki, yeah, Taki, I think he mm-hmm. was, or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's just weirdly comedically framed, even though it shouldn't be. Like, we should have, it should have been presented very plainly as the, oh, I can't tell you what's happened, but I was just sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. You know, let's try and not make too light of that. Um, yeah, other than that, though, um, it is perfect continuation of the show. Um and it worked really well for me. Um, and I was quite. I mean, it's gonna be boring agreement uh, time because I'm, I'm gonna go also four and a half, four and a half uh, boyfriend snuggles out of five. Um, I, I I this is yeah, like you said, uh, almost in microcosm, like what made the show really good. Um, messy characters, relationships, not kind of dumbed down or simplified, but. Also, not you know, no valid, not really validating shitty behavior. Like a lot, a, yeah, that's that's important. A lot of you know, positive character growth and just good character writing. Great music, great performance in here. I mean, it's everything that you want out of out of a a given thing. And uh, yeah, this this really delivered. Um, and. Now they just have to put everything uh, out uh, on a on a Blu-ray. Well, so let's go. Put, put it all with the, you know, who, who Sentai, you know, Funimation, whoever, like, snap this shit up and put the TV show and the movie on a Blu-ray together. Book it. Make it happen. Mm. Um, Too right. Absolutely. Okay, then. Um That'll bring us to the end of the show. Um, I just want to mention quickly before we leave off again that um, if you, I like this, I really like this film, but I'm not going to pretend that, again, it's not got some sensitive subject matter in it, particularly for people who've been through similar experiences. So I would advise that if you have listened to our discussion, do you want to watch it? Uh, but you have, of course, if you're worried about the content, 
fair, that you're well within your rights to be concerned. And similarly, if you've watched it and think, no, I think that this was all awful because Haruki should not have even looked at him twice after that fact. He should have been dead to him. That's also not for me to say is wrong. Like, you know, you're open to your opinion on that. And I think it's entirely valid. Um, if anything, I'd actually like to hear about, like, if people have dissenting opinions, please do tell me. And that would nicely lead on. Again, I've been really good with the uh, with the uh, segues here. That nicely leads on to where you can find us on the internet. So before I tell you where you can find me and Doc, um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support more of them, uh, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash worry death show. Uh, get yourself on the two, three or five dollar tiers. Five dollars gets you everything. Uh, gets you access to all of our podcasts. Uh, we're currently covering uh, One Drag Priority, Horror Mia and Girls Last Tour. Bill's last story is actually going to be happening tomorrow. That's right. We're we're at this uh, again tomorrow. tomorrow so two days in a row of our yeah two plus hours. It happened again. <laughs> we're talking it. <laughs> we're, we're we're talking it again. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. There'll be a lot to talk about that. Um, but yeah, do feel free to check that out. If you don't want to support us financially, but still want to you know help us however you can, totally cool with that. Uh, just drop us a like or subscribe on wherever you found us. Be it on you know uh, Apple Music, on uh, Spotify, so on and so forth. Um, and as if you want to contact us to discuss this particular episode or anything else for that matter, you can find me at Shaden1010 on Twitter. Uh, I'll talk about anything that isn't Redo of a Healer. Read, don't talk to me about that. Um, and Doc, where can people find you on the wide world web? At, web thing. <laughs> at the subtle doctor. Excellent. Right then, uh, with that, um, I want to just give a quick shout out again to the people who've been coming into our given... Uh, videos all this time even after they're released and offering their um, thoughts on that and also just being very positive about it I'm really I look back on that with a sense of pride because I feel like you know that we did really well with that and I'm really happy people enjoyed our discussions of it even despite the inherent limitations of the fact that you know that I'm, we're on the straight and narrow as it were sorry wah, wah. Uh, but regardless of that um, I really appreciate it. and that's why we came back to do this because there was such demand for it and the demand for it was very much worth it because I really enjoyed this film. So thank you for suggesting that mm-hmm. we come back to it. Thank you for clamoring for it because personally it was worthwhile and I hope in turn that you listening at home have found this discussion worthwhile. And lastly, if you've not actually listened to any of our given show discussion, that is on our YouTube uh, to be found. It's completely free. So if you've enjoyed this and want to hear us talking about the show proper, you've got one for every single episode definitely it's check all it in out. a playlist but, for you and that, it's on the podcast feed too but youtube it's all just like it's on one single page so yeah that'd probably be the simplest way to grab all of it it's tight mm-hmm. it's tight yeah uh but on that note we will leave you uh so thank you very much everyone i hope you all stay safe take care look after yourselves look after your loved ones um i've been shade and that's been doc and as we often say on this podcast you know embrace everyone it's the end of the universe a special good night if it was your first time here check us out tomorrow Mwah. goodbye good night bring back the brothers Music.